Christmas. I'm Mr. Snow. I'm Mr. Icicle. I'm Mr. Ten Below. Friends call me Snow Miser. Whatever I touch turns to snow in my clutch. <laughs> I'm too much. <laughs> Welcome to Bad Puns and Machine Guns, the podcast where we watch and discuss every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie one at a time, and maybe the occasional surprise as well. I'm Mike Olson. I'm Kevin Keane, and today we're discussing Batman and Robin, released by Warner Brothers on June 20th, 1997, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, who does get top billing, which surprised me a little bit. Uh, George Clooney, Chris O'Donnell, Uma Thurman, Alicia Silverstone, Michael Goh, or Goff, I'm never really sure, Pat Hingle, Elle McPherson, John Glover, and Vivica A. Fox, written by Akiva Goldsman, based on characters created by Bob Kane, and directed by Joel Schumacher. Olsen, I'm so upset at you for making me watch this movie. Uh, I'm, I have to admit, I'm upset at myself, and I... I cursed myself multiple times. You texted me. I, <laughs> I knew we were in trouble when you texted me. And what, what did you say? It was just like, I oh, this is worse than I remember. Uh, yes, I had forgotten how bad this was. And I, I think some of it had to do with, I really hadn't watched it, because there's no real reason other than this endeavor that we've uh, started. Yeah, no, why would you ever watch this movie other than if you have to, like, it's on a list of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. <laughs> An assignment, basically. Yeah, we have no choice. But, you know, again, I was hoping to put it off, but... Uh... You well, forced our I, hand. Yeah, what, I, I forced I forced our hand, and we we took the medicine, and and we're going to discuss it. So, and <laughs> after this, we'll probably never watch it again. Uh, and one side note: it is November first as we're recording today, and Netflix, as effective today, has dropped Batman and Robin from the streaming service. So it's a good thing we got this one in. Yeah, uh, we've we've got some kind of Netflix curse going on here. Apparently, so I don't know what's happening. But uh, yeah. I think I sent you something when I was watching this, and I I learned that they were going to be dropping it. That they're onto our our little game here or our podcast, and they want us to uh, have to pay up somebody else to watch some of these movies. Well, we'll save it to the end, because I already know what I'm picking for our next movie, and it is on Netflix, so we'll see if this, uh, this trend, these trends continue. These trends continue, like Disco Stew, right? Uh, yeah, I'll tell you, man, Like the movie was bad enough, but oh, the number of puns is <laughs> off the charts. I had to stop every minute and a half. Uh, that's my other question. So did you, uh, did you happen, and this, this will be a surprise to me, did you get a percentage as well of dialogue? I think that would be a very interesting uh, statistic for listeners. I absolutely did that. We'll, we'll cover it all at the end. Fantastic. Uh, every, on every Arnold Schwarzenegger line of dialogue, whether or not it was a pun, and also whether or not it was related to cold and or temperature. Yes. I don't even know what to do in this episode, because do we, do we need to stop every pun? And like, I don't even want to do that. What do no. we do on this podcast? Because there's so many, it'll take us four hours. Yeah, I, I think it would be best uh, and most interesting for listeners. You just hit the uh, hit the high ones, and then at the end, we give the uh, the tally. I think it's probably the best. I think that's a good plan. I'll stop for the good ones. I will say, before I forget, because as much as I didn't want to deal with this movie so soon in this podcast, it actually is really good timing, because if the schedule works out the way it looks like it's going to, and this is probably going to be the last one we record before these start going up on the internet. So if the schedule works out, this episode will go, go up either the week of or the week after Christmas. So ah. all the ice and snow theme. Ah, it would be perfect. It's actually pr- pretty appropriate. So if we were going to do it, that's the one thing that got me through it of just like, oh, actually, this actually works out pretty good. So we, you know, we, we've just admitted that we're really not that smart. It just uh, happened <laughs> to fall that way. But it would have looked like we were really smart had we not admitted to that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I believe in transparency. We can't, you know, there's no point in lying about it and saying, like, yes, we planned this from the start. That's fair. Believe me, I would have rather had done it next Christmas. That would have been my preferred plan. <laughs> uh, 
So the, the one thing I, I wanted to note you already uh, did in the intro, but that uh, Arnold got top billing here, which I think is only the it's the second time that the villain got t- top billing in the Batman franchise. I believe Jack Nicholson actually gets top billing. That is true. In, uh, in the initial, uh, the original Batman. Which is surprising when you think about Batman Forever, because that was another movie with a new Batman. And granted, Val, Val Kilmer was a pretty big star, but not as big as Tommy Lee Jones at the time, was he? No, well, and 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 Jim Carrey was at the height height of his career too, so yeah, you well, could really too. have either gone with either one of them. But yes, um, what what I find most interesting about uh, rewatching this is recognizing that Batman Forever and, and Batman and Robin, despite different casts, they're basically the same movie. Uh, so many scenes in terms of a villain um, being kind of run amok, meaning at the start of the opening of the movie, right? You, you already have one villain that's established in both movies. Sure. You then see the origin story of um, a, a, another villain, that villain, that origin story villain killing the, you know, the ironically, the, the person who ultimately creates them. There's, there's a lot. If you go side by side, these two movies, it's clear that this was just merchandising, whether it's to sell more toys or, or whatever the, the, the logic was this movie doesn't need to exist, but it basically is Batman forever with different players. We'll get a different Batman, couple of different villains, make another movie. Oh, it was a formula for sure. Well, right. since you brought that up, what's your take on Clooney's Batman? Uh, it's pretty, I, I'm not sure I can recall anything, a performance more mailed in than Clooney's Batman, but See, it, I, I don't know if it's mailed in or if it's just that he's so wrong for Batman. Because he's very, like, you know, I can't think of any movies that he's been in where he's, like, the tortured soul, which Batman kind of needs to be. Or, you know, well, I, I shouldn't say needs to be because I don't think there's anything wrong with doing a lighthearted, kind of more Adam Westy Batman. But they should have just started over. They should have just rebooted and said, let's just make a silly Batman. This is, they're saying that this is the same Batman as those other three. That, right. You know, George Clooney's Batman remembers all the things that happened to, to Michael Keaton. So... To just the idea that that's the same guy is it's just completely preposterous. Clooney is good at very breezy, very light kind of performances. He's not good at brooding, playing brooding guys because he's not that guy. And it's just so he's just so fundamentally miscast as Batman. He is like the absolute last person you should be casting as Batman. Yeah, and you know, I in in getting ready for the the recording today, you know, obviously read some stuff and. Uh, one of the common themes that I saw, and I agree, is it seems like he was cast just based on they put the cowl, drew, drew the cowl over his, you know, his his head and his face. It's like, <laughs> right. wow, he looks like Batman. And you know what? That that may be the case. The problem is, is that there's a lot more than just putting on the suit. And you you know you have to do the Bruce Wayne, and you actually have to be Batman. You can't just walk around and not say anything. And I mean, it just didn't it didn't feel right. If you do that with any actor with a strong jawline, they're going to look like Batman. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't say that it was a good idea, but I, it feels <laughs> right. like in some ways that that's, that's how the casting was. He's available. Uh, I think that this is kind of peak ER, and I think ER was also a Warner Brothers production, so there, there might have been some overlap there where they uh, asked, asked some favors or uh, made oh. some suggestions. I, I, you know, I'm not sure ultimately how, how he wound up getting cast. It's interesting watching this movie in 2015 because, I mean, you know, we're not saying anything new that this is a bad movie. Everyone knows this is a bad movie. But watching this in the context of the, like, superhero, the height of superhero madness that we're in now and just seeing the contrast of just this is what superhero movies or this is what the studio wanted superhero movies to be in 1997. 
Because you look at the, the, the Burton Batmans, and that's what Tim Burton wanted Batman to be, and then he got kind of pushed out because... It was too dark and like Burger King and folks like the, the, all the tie-ins were getting yeah. upset, saying this is too dark and scary and kids aren't into this and we can't sell toys. And I think you're, you're right to, to hook into that toy thing because this movie, everything looks like a toy. All their suits look like toys. All the vehicles look like toys. There's a part at the end where they're like storming the the telescope and they all have their own vehicle and it's just like this just looks like a toy commercial. <laughs> that I mean, that's the reason I brought it up is that it feels like a giant advertisement for selling merchant merchandise of some kind toys probably being primary in 1997 but it's like in 2015 the toy stuff is still huge i mean i i've got a nephew who's, who's 10 and you know i i know all the iron man and captain america stuff that he's into and it's just like they're so much more savvy today like you look back at 1997 movie executives and you just kind of go like did they not understand that in the interest of selling all the peripheral stuff they're just burning the the core product to the ground. Like this is what they want. I mean, this this is the movie, and I think Joel Schumacher has said in interviews, like you know, he didn't want he didn't really want the movie to be like this either to a certain extent. But he just got pressured, and he he just kind of you know, he was just spineless and just let the movie studio do or Warner Brothers specifically to do whatever they wanted. And they wanted to sell more toys, and they wanted to appeal more to kids, et cetera, et cetera. And they just made this complete piece of trash. And it's amazing to think that. At the time, they were so oblivious and they didn't see the forest for the trees to understand how much damage they were doing to this incredibly valuable property that they had. It's insane. Yeah, it, it is interesting, especially since the, the turn, and I don't want to spend too much time in the intro on it, but the turn of what, as you said, the genre has become, but in particular, Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers now seems to want to not be Marvel and be extremely dark to the point of making Man of Steel Superman, who I've always felt, and I'm not as big of a Superman fan as you, but I've always felt Superman was more of the kind of more of the lighthearted, kind of wholesome, you know, superhero in kind of the spectrum. And Warner Brothers is trying to just be as dark as can be, which is ironic that they were the polar opposite 1997. Yeah, but they are emulating Marvel in the sense that they want to create the continuity among all their different franchises. And I guess everyone's trying to do that now. That's just where Hollywood is. You're right that it, tonally it's very different. But they're still kind of they're kind of trying to out Marvel Marvel in a way that I don't think is a good idea. I think it would be I I don't think it's well we'll see Batman versus Superman comes out in whatever six months we'll see how that is. But I don't think I actually don't think it's a smart idea for Warner Brothers to do that because they don't have the stable of heroes that Marvel has. All they have is Batman and Superman, and they're trying to build up Wonder Woman. It looks like based on that trailer they put out. But I think you're right that they're going more dark, and I think that's a good idea. But the whole like cinematic universe, they, that's not smart of them to do that. But yeah, we'll, we'll I, see. It, it certainly is. They, it, they're, they've seen the success of what Disney, specifically Disney, has done with after purchasing Marvel, which I think that really is the, the leverage point here, right? Is that in 1997, Warner Brothers had control through, because the, they own the comics in right. Warner Studios, so they had control of those. Marvel itself was a standalone company just making comics in 1997, Things significantly changed when Disney took over and has owned the Marvel franchise. So Warner Brothers is trying to copy it, but trying to differentiate themselves. And I just think it's interesting of how far away they are from what they were in 1997. Yeah, because I think at the time, Warner Brothers was just like, oh, we have this thing, let's exploit it. And that's what's so tragic about Batman and Robin is you're just watching this this character and this franchise just getting wrung dry. It's yes. really kind of tragic. That's why it's so hard to watch. It's not just a bad movie. Because there are know, hundreds of bad movies, it's that it's a bad movie. You know, it's taking something that started so promising with the Michael Keaton ones, uh, you know, and Tim Burton, 
and it's just this is just it's like watching you know a friend get sick or something it's just like you were once this strong healthy thing and now look at you oh it's so tragic anyway so after they they suit up with nipples and butt shots just (laughs) there there's some some bad banter uh including a a, again a, a copy from the Batman Forever of chicks dig the car. I mean, it just it all of it just felt forced, and I, I, I just as each minute rolled by, I'm like, oh, this just is this is going to be two hours that I wish I had back. I thought that was a copy. I could I wasn't sure. I was like, wait a minute, didn't they do that? And then I couldn't remember if it was Batman and Forever. Or... It was Forever. It was at, it was one of Val Kilmer's lines that was in the trailer over and over again. So I'll I'll never forget it. Also, like the thing of like, oh, chicks dig the car. You've got a motorcycle. Like no, yeah. no chick has ever dug a guy in a motorcycle. Never. You, he, I, I would much rather have that motorcycle. I mean, I don't drive motorcycles, but then that particular Batmobile, absolutely. Yeah, it's the goofiest looking Batmobile. Oh, it's terrible. And the saving grace I had for this is what this did ultimately is burned it down to the ground to a crisp that it was able to be re- completely rebooted. That just how far from reality that the Batmobile would be. And the fact that it's, it's a single-person car, just so much of it, as you said, it looks like a toy. It's like, wow, yeah, I can completely see that as being an accessory that I have to buy that my plastic Batman legs fold up <laughs> right. and I put inside and only Batman will fit. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I This may be a controversial thing to say. I never. I don't think any of the Batmobiles are cool. I don't think there's a single cool Batmobile. I think they all look stupid. I mean, the Adam West one looks stupid. I thought the Michael Keaton one with the like weird lobster shell that goes over it—that one looked stupid. This one looks stupid. Uh, I think the Tumbler looks stupid. I don't like any of them. I think I think that his motorcycle in in the Dark Knight is cool, but that that uh, none of them. I just I, th- I just think the Batmobile in general is never okay. I I can understand that. The, I, I, just give me this. That this is the worst of them all. Oh, I agree. Thank like, you. It has like weird like the double. Like fins on the back, yes. it looks like a shark, no, like more than a bat. It's, I, it, it's confusing, but I agree with you. I don't know what Robin's beef are. I, it seems like he's uh, got the it, better vehicle. Yes, I think he's got the better vehicle. So but, yeah, so, so uh, they got to call. First of all, they just start driving. They don't know where they're going. I, I guess they're just driving towards the bat signal that we don't see. Uh, yeah, and the because the commissioner calls them and oh, tells and them what's the up. commissioner's delivery. You want to talk about a wooden performance? <laughs> I think that's intentional, though. Uh, if, maybe it is. If it is, I don't know. I. I as I said, as each second ticked by, I'm like, oh, man, I forgot how bad this was. But Commissioner Gordon, who, you know, I liked in the other movies. It's not like I liked him nearly as much as, as when we move forward in Gary Oldman, when he ultimately becomes Commissioner Gordon. But Gary Oldman's also probably a better actor. But I, it's Batman. There's a new villain in Gotham. I, yeah, it's the way he says Batman in particular. Like, I, that's, it, now I kind of want to find it. it, it's, it's, it it's, I, I just, as I was watching him... I, the the screen that is pulled up looks like a bad cell phone that's there. I just so much <laughs> yeah. of the stuff. Well, it's one of those uh, screen like the things that we were talking about in the uh, uh, the Running Man thing. Where, yes. like, they, they have they taking no care to make things look like a real screen or no. Uh, but yeah, the the screen that's pulled up on there it reminds me of you know video games actually preceding this era in like the early nineties. Of you know whether it would be any of the Star Wars games, but just when the video would come up and somebody would it, the the video presentation would be extremely wooden and yeah, yeah he's like giving him his mission objective. Yes, it was like a game. mission objective, and I just I, again it was 1997. It's not that far removed from the games that I'm thinking of, but I, I just re- I, I remember when I was watching, I'm like, wow, this this is really bad. Yeah, I found the clip, so here we go. Let's just play it. Batman, 
A new villain has commandeered the Gotham Museum. He's frozen the antiquities wing. He's turned the security guards into blocks of ice. He's calling himself Mr. Freeze. Oh, it's Mr. Like Batman. Freeze. It's just exposition, then, exposition. He's just Basil Exposition. He yeah. literally appears on a screen in his car. Yes, it's you're right. Austin Powers. And then Batman, Mr. Freeze. He repeats it as if the audience needed to know that you know Arnold's Mr. Freeze. The trailers wouldn't have told you enough that it's Mr. Freeze. Well, he's just weighing it. He's trying to decide if it's a good villain named Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze. I think he could have done better. Yeah, so they go to the, the Gotham Museum of Art yes. Antiquities Wing. Why would a museum of art have an antiquities wing? I had that written down as well. I'm I'm very confused. <laughs> and there's a dino- there's dinosaurs and stuff in there, but there's also a diamond he's trying to steal. The, the only thing that it reminded me of it it's uh, currently underway uh, in approvals here in Chicago. But George Lucas is you know planning a, a new museum of his collection of things from um, uh, his company. Industrial Light Magic, as well as his Norman Rockwell collection. I think it's just stuff, like it's just movie or a pop, it's a pop culture museum. It, it is, but it just, the, the Norman Rockwell doesn't seem to make sense, and it reminded me of this museum that, yes, it also has diamonds and dinosaurs. I'm not exactly sure why, but it has these things. Right next to each other. Yes. Just, these two things belong in the same room. Yes. Uh, yeah, so Mr. Freeze is there, cops are shooting at him, for some reason he's bulletproof. It's never really explained why. It's not, I mean, there's a lot of metal on the suit, but uh, it still doesn't. Shoot him in the face. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand. He's, um, just, he's just one of these villains that yes. can't be, be hard. There, there are a lot of security guards there, um, and they seem to keep coming. You, you'd think they would realize that they're outmanned and outgunned, and they'd stop, stop coming, but more come to just get freezed and uh, beg for mercy. <laughs> right. Well, his condition has left him cold to their pleas of mercy. Yes. I, maybe I should just stop and do them all, because that's the first fun. And it is a pretty good one. He's got a million of them in this scene. Like this scene is like I don't know, maybe ten minutes. Yes, and I, I'll say that his pun, like his ratio of puns, drops off after this scene. But I think I, I'll just say that in this scene, including like the, he steals a diamond and they, they get in the rocket ship, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, we can cover it in a detail if we want, but it really is not. It's it's a really this a lousy action scene. Yeah, it's a lousy action scene. A lot of stuff doesn't make sense. So I well, let's just hit the highlights and and move on. But. He has 20 lines of dialogue in this whole sequence. Five of them are puns. Wow. So, so, and keep in mind, the highest number we've had so far was The Running Man with seven. And so he's got five in the in first this, 15 minutes. And only Arnold. I think there are maybe, I think, I think there may be eight puns just in this scene alone. I'll check. But uh, just, man, this movie is wall to wall. The puns are just rapid fire. I mean, it's no secret. Everyone knows that all this whole movie is just Arnold spouting puns. But yes, and well, it's it's also probably what uh, gives validity to the name of the podcast of bad puns and machine guns. This this one kind of covers covers all of the bad puns that that you could want, and they're bad. That's for yes, sure. Like, there's no question. Good. So the the things I, I'd like to highlight is what I don't understand is, and I realize that this was trying to be more like the Adam West 1960s uh, Batman. But the fact that they have ice skates built into their boots, yeah. and what, the reason it's really confusing to me is we've seen them get into their respective vehicles and leave before they get their mission. Right. So even if the, let's say that they had those, those ready for a you know a villain who's based on ice, how did they happen to have them on before they even knew who it was? It could have been the Joker again. It could have been the Riddler because the Riddler. Well, I guess well, the Joker was killed off. Yeah, it couldn't have been the Joker. You're right, but the Riddler survived. <laughs> yes. So I, I, I just I had a real hard time with the, the ice skates. I think the movie is implying that those are there all the time. 
that they you know that Michael Keaton Keaton had roller skates or uh, ice skates in his shoes and just never needed them. Uh, apparently so. <laughs> so the other thing too that that really bo- bothered me in this action sequence is on multiple occasions, at least with Robin and I think with um, Batman as well. They show them either flipping or jumping and oh. then landing and not sliding. It's ice everywhere to the point where they've made a big deal that they need to have skates when they finally activate the skates. Right. And he doesn't go sliding anywhere. It's was, just terrible. Yeah, every time someone jumps or swings or like slides, because Batman slides down the dinosaur neck like Fred Flintstone. Yes. Uh but like gravity, all of a sudden in Gotham City, gravity has no meaning. All physics in this world suddenly makes no sense. Robin does like a pole vault that accomplishes nothing at one point, and yeah, you're right. Just none of this, like this world has no logic to it. Not even the physics has logic. So why should we care about the narrative logic? Because nothing makes sense. I guess that's true. So another thing that I, I wanted to highlight in this is just Clooney's high freeze on Batman, <laughs> and I understand that within these these films, including going back. I distinctly remember in the trailer for the original Batman that made a big deal of his introduction right. of I'm Batman, right? And I'm fine with that. So you got to work it in. I get it. It was just terrible. And well, again, I don't know if it's bad casting but or what. Hi, Freeze. I'm Batman. <laughs> but I think that's it. I think Clooney is just too breezy to be Batman. He's just very like casual about it. He's just kind of like, hey, hi. How are you? <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and the, the other things then that, that I had is you, you already covered with the physics. You've got the the vase, which, man, is that just a bad gimmick. Oh, and yeah. And then Freeze's gun, again, doesn't seem to slide anywhere, just sticks as if, oh, it's been placed up there before we cut up to this, and right. now it's up there. Well, that's the thing. It's like, it's, it's like uh, on that statue that the gun lands on, gravity works sideways or something. Yes. Because, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't even look like it's on top of the thing. It's like, yeah, it's stuck to the side. Yes. And then he throws a guy up there, and I forget what he says. He, he has some, like, well, thanks, or whatever. Yes, like, and he gets it back, and then that's when uh, one of my favorites, maybe my favorite line in the movie is, what killed the dinosaurs? Nice age! <laughs> and is- just, if, if, if anybody listening to this is subjecting themselves to the punishment of watching this, just... Why do Batman and Robin, it takes him a few minutes, actually, as he's going through to freeze this giant brontosaurus head. Right. They just stand they there just and watch. Stand around. Understand. Yeah, they wait 20 seconds and they're, oh, no, it's going to fall. It's like, you could have, you had plenty of time. Yes. Also, what he says, 100% not true. The Ice Age did not kill the dinosaurs. It was a meteor. So even, even his ice related, you'd think he'd be an expert on Ice Ages and things related to ice. No, even that thing he doesn't know what to think about. He's just one hundred percent wrong. Not not true at all. He, his specialty is McGregor syndrome. Let's just let's just set the record straight. I guess that's true. He he had to learn about freezing in order yes. to, to to cure his actual expertise. Uh, yeah. So they get he like he he steals the diamond right, and then he gets in a rocket ship that's yes. built into his tank. <laughs> Again, another toy. I'm assuming the the rocket ship maybe is sold separately from his uh, drill. Drill uh, tank. Why I'm not. I'm not sure what to call it. I can't make. I can't decide. I can't. I can't figure out if this tank. He only has one of these, or if he has like a whole fleet of them with like different things. Oh, so, the, sort of like uh, in uh, the Dark Knight Rises, where they've got the uh, the fleet of tumblers. Right, but it's and it also you know he's he he lives in an ice cream factory. He's got like twelve henchmen. He doesn't really have like he steals diamonds, sure, but. He's not selling them because he needs them. Like, how does he get have a money? Like, where is he manufacturing these tanks? Yeah, and Dark Knight Rises, Bane. It makes sense that he's got this like fleet of right. They, they clearly explain how he acquired it, right? <laughs> but is is 
is Mr. Freeze so wealthy from his ice cream like <laughs> business that he can build these tanks? It's very interesting. So yeah, so there's a there's like a million puns. We'll cover them at the end, but uh, they go up in this rocket. Yes, and Batman just gets his arms. Batman is completely helpless. Freeze freezes his hands to the wall. Which and I don't then, understand how he only freezes his hands, but we'll and then just... he, yeah, and then he's like, "You hot will freeze at thirty thousand feet or whatever." It's, you have a freezing gun. I'll rely on the temperature of the, of the altitude to kill you, Batman. You're Mister Freeze. You don't need anybody could take someone into altitude. And and I'm certainly not a doctor like Victor Freeze, but it would also seem like the heart probably wouldn't be the first thing to freeze. Is my guess. Yeah. It would seem like the extremities, and he would die from something other than his heart freezing. But like, but again, we, I think he's not the expert in freezing as we think. So maybe no. he's, he, Batman would have been fine. Batman and Batman just kind of assumes like, oh, if this thing explodes, it'll take out all of Gotham for some reason. Yeah, and then they jump out and it explodes and everything, everything's fine. fine. Yeah, and in particular, what I what I'd really like to know from that when Robin comes to save the day and they're about to exit. How do they know those doors? They can use them. First of all, just using them as surfboards is obviously laughable. But how do they know that those 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 doors can be used as surfboards? How, how do they know how the doors on Mister Freeze's rocket ship? How do they know those? How those work? And and how does that help them in any way? Is really the question. Like the the fact that their surfboards are slowing down their their descents. Like, yeah. I, who knows? This this is like very much. I feel like the the teenage mutant ninja turtleification of Batman. Because they jump out of there and go like Cowabunga or whatever. Or yep. no, he says serves up. He says Cowabunga earlier when they're yes. like, I forget. Robin does. Right. So it's it's. I think this is just. Oh, kids like the Ninja Turtles. Let's make it more so like the Ninja wor- Turtles. Yeah. Let's work that in. Yeah. It's man. This this sequence really sets the tone of just complete madness. Like you can't take. It, it, at least this movie's upfront about like, hey, don't even worry, don't take us seriously because we're we're not taking ourselves seriously yeah, for sure. So next, you move on to the creation. So Mister Freeze already had existed and was running amok, and much like Batman Forever, a villain is created, and in this, it is Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy. First, initially introduced as Doctor Pamela Isley. Yeah, there's an establishing shot of their laboratory. It's, I guess is in the jungle somewhere. Yes, and I swear, do you remember the Budweiser frog commercials? Yes, they, they from added, the but, Super Bowl, absolutely. Sure, but they added the lizards like later. Remember, yeah. it was just like they were like jealous of the frogs and didn't like them. Yes, uh, I swear, there's a lizard, and I was like that. I am. I could not be more certain. They just took that. They like went to the Budweiser people or whoever did that ad and went like, "Hey, can we borrow your lizard? It's the same lizard." <laughs> I, I don't have proof of this, but I'm sure. Like, the timeline all <laughs> sure, matches. Sure can be. But the timeline matches yeah. up. Like This is exactly when those commercials were happening. Yeah. And it, it, like, it looks around with its like puppet eye in the exact same way. It's, it's in my mind, unmistakable. That's just, that was such a memorable commercial. I just went like, that's that lizard from the Budweiser commercial. I'm, I'm sure it was probably just another product tie-in. There was a way for them to get some money from Budweiser, is my guess, without... Um, being, getting any parents up in arms that Batman and Robin was had an endorsement from a beer company. Yeah, after after all the controversy about uh, Joe Camel, like right. we gotta find a way to <laughs> gotta find a way to work in the the beer the beer guys, but Ever- not too obvious. Yeah, Ever has beer to kids. It's perfect. Uh, so yeah, so Doctor Woodrow, or I guess, I guess we meet Uma Thurman first as yes. uh, Pamela Ivy. Ive, is it Isley? I- Isley, Doctor Pamela Isley, not Ivy. No, it's pa- Pamela Isley. Why didn't they just make? I, I guess maybe it's just this. That was her name in the comics. I'm sure yes. they wanted to be. Why? Why bother staying true to the comics with at this point? <laughs> I, I can't. I can't disagree with you. But it is Doctor Pamela Isley because I keep. Th- I kept thinking her real name was Ivy because it's just like that's Isley and Ivy are so similar. Just whatever. Similar enough. That's I'm sure a, f- a fault of the comics. 
so yeah, she's working at this lab, and uh, Doctor Woodrue has some. She he has he has some secret wing that she's not allowed in, and then she just immediately goes in. Yes, she goes. Oh, what's he doing in there? Just, <laughs> how long? This just happens to be the moment where she just decides. I'll just open this door. It's unlocked. Yeah, I'll, I'll see what's going on over there. What's all the ruckus? And unfortunately, you know, John Glover is actually an actor that has been in things that I I enjoyed him in, and he, like everybody else, is really hamming it up, and unfortunately, not not in a good way in 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 this movie. Sorry, who the doctor? Or, yeah, or Doctor Jason Jason Woodrue, I think. Well, I guess he's a real DC character, and in DC Comics, and you know, neither of us is a comic book expert, but he becomes Floronic Man. Hmm. But like that's I, I, that's kind of what I was getting at earlier about DC maybe shouldn't do a cinematic universe because their 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 comic book universe I'm going to upset some people I'm going to upset DC fans but outside of Batman Superman and Wonder Woman and maybe Green Lantern and a few more so much of that stuff is so silly like I I found a picture of Floronic Man and he's kind of like I think he's part of like the Swamp Thing comics and he's just a big dude he he turns himself into a plant very much like like Poison Ivy only he just looks stupid. <laughs> So he's he's a DC character. It's interesting that they they, uh, they kill him off here. They do eventually. We're not there yet. So body count's still zero, but we'll get there. Body count's zero, but we're getting we're gonna get there fast. So he he's got a a a, a bidding war about to begin as he's about to demonstrate what uh, he's been working on um, that Doctor Pamela Isley has has not been privy to until now. Yeah. So he uh, brings out a convicted felon. I forget what, if he even explains this guy's crimes or whatever. And he explains to the people who are bidding that he's drilled three concentric circles into his uh, hyperthalamus or something. Yes. You can't drill three concentric circles. Concentric means having the same center point. If you've drilled three concentric circles, you've drilled one hole. <laughs> you ca- how could you drill three holes with the exact same center point? Whatever. It just goes to show the, the thoughtlessness of this movie. I wonder if somebody was just like, that's not possible. <laughs> and they said, you know what? It doesn't matter. None of the rest of this is. Let's just keep going. Yeah, so he becomes Bane. Quite yes. a different Bane than we know now. Significantly different. And what's funny is I, I do remember at the time of all of the things that people complained about this movie when it came out. And there was a lot. But from the comic book fans that I knew, their just hatred of what they did to Bane was... Yeah. A, 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 of all that was wrong with this movie, that was what I remember from the comic book fans. They were just so angry. Of basically what their position was, as I remember, is they took a pretty interesting villain yeah. from the from the DC Batman comics and just absolutely ruined him. They just turned him into a dumb, you know. He, he's he's a muscle. Yeah, he, he's a he's he's a henchman. Yes, and a dumb one. And a, yeah, I it's understandably I think that that anger is justified because you know, and I was being a little unfair to DC because I've I've told you this like, something I read on the internet and I think is true. Not being a comic book expert, I don't know necessarily like if this makes sense to like real comic book fans or not. But the whole idea of Marvel has interesting, like complex heroes and very one dimensional, uninteresting villains, and then DC has kind of one dimensional heroes, at, with possibly the exception of Batman, but really interesting three dimensional villains. And Bane is one of the more interesting villains they have. And yeah, to just waste him here to just kind of toss him off like he's he's nothing. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, it, it's funny that you mention that because I've never really thought about it, but it would be actually interesting if there was to be a collaboration. Um, oh, that'll never happen. Uh, it'll never happen, but th- that actually would be interesting is to take the DC villains 
and the the Marvel heroes. I, that that would be really interesting because that that would be a re- and I guess DC in some ways with Suicide Squad is is kind of doing that, playing up their the villain angle. Maybe that will be their real breakthrough movie, and, and it may very well be. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But but that might be interesting, and I I, I do think you're right because I can think of a, a number of them. I think of all of the villains in, in anything from Marvel and DC that I can think of the most interesting. Lex Luthor is, I think, by by far and away, the the most interesting and and the one that I I like enjoy the most when yeah. when done well. So um, that that might be something out there for uh, down the line if they if they've played if DC and Marvel have have played these movies out too much. Maybe that's the way to uh, reinvigorate their franchises. That's like the the move they both make in like twenty forty. Probably. It's like after they've rebooted three more times and went like we need to bring the, the you know, it's 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 the whole Arnold and Stallone working together of just like, well, both our careers have kind of run their our course. Let's see if we can get together. Team up and uh, yeah, get some bring a little bit more out. So we'll, that's I, that may happen, but it's way in the future. But so, uh so Bane is born, there's a uh uh a bidding war between uh despots and uh dictators. Yeah, I didn't look too closely at those despots if they were supposed to be like specific. Yeah, they they are. I I think you're supposed to have the Shah of Iran. I think is or not the Shah, but the um um there's the Ayatollah. Yeah, the Ayatollah. Thank you. Uh, I think there's uh, somebody that I think is supposed to look like Mao f- uh, from Communist China, which doesn't make sense. But uh, along those lines, it, it's it's very clear. While they're not exactly um you know have makeup to tell you who they are, it's. Pretty clear to me who they're supposed to be. Yeah, I, 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 not not friends of the United States, I guess maybe. And it, it's funny as as the way have th- many things have changed, um, as we noted from 1997 to 2015. Certainly, making the Chinese a, a villain um, in a huge movie like this would not be something that Hollywood be be doing today. Oh, there's no question about it. That's a big market. It's a big market. It may be a more important market. I than the United States at this point, or if not, it's very, very close. Foreign markets, which are more important than ever these days, yes. as, Andy, as uh, Mickey Rooney once told us, not Andy Rooney. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it would be interesting if Andy Rooney said that. <laughs> so Man. Pamela Isley sees too much, and Dr. Jason Woodrow comes in, knocks a bunch of stuff over, and she is going to ironically be killed by the plants that she loves so much, and that's not what happens. Does he think he's killing her? Like He just throws her over a table. He and does. Like, well, then, I'm done. <laughs> well, I, I think I he it. thinks he's killing her because she, he sees the different um, beakers of whatever breaking and things melting. Yeah, I think that uh, he he assumes that she is dying, and she is then resurrected as poison ivy. Well, yeah, in a, in a bit she'll be resurrected. Right now, we all the, the, he thinks she's dead. Uh, I, before we leave this scene, I think it's interesting how uh, Dr. Woodrow describes Bane as the ultimate killing machine, but he's too stupid to use a gun. Like in the twenty first or in the twentieth century, the late twentieth century, the idea that just all you need to be a perfect killing machine is to be just big and strong. Like there are maybe in the Middle Ages, but uh, you know you'd think to be a like the Bane from the comics, who's really intelligent and like one of the most intelligent characters in that world. Like he is the ultimate killing machine because he can outsmart you and he's stronger than you. But yes, this Bane, like I could take this guy out and just give me a sharp stick and I could kill this guy. <laughs> So, anyway, so yeah, we cut back to the Batcave where they're watching security video of Freeze's transformation. Again, no care taken to make it look like real security video. Like, why is he, he's just, maybe he's videotaping his own experiments. There could be some justification, but the idea that he's just got this open vat. You know, the Joker makes sense because they're in a, 
they're in a chemicals factory and you know he didn't expect to be there and he gets knocked in. This is Freeze's laboratory. Have some safety. He doesn't have a railing. He doesn't have a lid for that vat. Like he, he gets what he deserves at some point. Like he just I, like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I certainly remember there were eyewash stations, you know, readily available in high school chemistry in 1997. So you would think that Doctor Victor Freeze, you know, wouldn't want to bring would be somewhat aware of safety precautions. Yeah, the minute you stop respecting it, is that's <laughs> the, right. The, the, he stopped respecting his vat of freezing chemicals. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we learned that uh, what was he? He's a so Victor Freeze was a Nobel Prize winner and a decathlete, which Arnold doesn't have a, the physique for a decathlete. No, he's not doing a pole vault. I don't think so. <laughs> he's, that, Arnold would never even come close to being. A, I guess they wanted to explain why he's so buff or yes. whatever. But decathlete's the wrong. Say he's a power lifter yes. or something, bodybuilder. Yeah, that would really be a stretch here, right? So, uh, oh, and then so I, it's okay. So. I'm skip. I'm, we're skipping over all the puns right now. We'll come back to it. But uh, Bruce says something I don't think is a pun. But either way, it's it's just the worst joke. Where he goes, "Oh, it's it's when they're about when Freeze is about to fall in the vat, and he goes, here's where everything goes north.' <laughs> because it's the North Pole. <laughs> it's so terrible. You're right. You, you look at a line like that and go, "This is in the movie." Yes. No one stopped and went like, "This line is nonsense." And Take, cut this. Yeah, cut it. Or, or on the alternative, this was the best. So, I'm led to believe that this is the best they could come up with for that. <laughs> Meaning, what was on the cutting room floor that didn't make the cut? If Maybe. that's what made the cut, yeah, that, if that was the best of a lot of different options, and that's really sad. Yes. But I just wanted to single that one out and make clear that it's, it's just too confusing and. To count it's, it as a pun, I'm just it, I'm not counting it. Because I had to, I had to single it out because it's, it's not a bad pun, but it is definitely bad dialogue. Uh, and then yeah, Batman and Robin have there's this forced tension all the way throughout the movie between Batman and Robin, and it starts here of just like yes. you were careless, you got frozen by Mister Freeze, and I had to thaw you out. Batman got caught in that rocket, right? And Robin saved him. Why is like, Batman in this movie is such a jerk? And then. At the end, he gives a speech about, like, trust. I, you need to trust me or whatever. And I feel like this movie is trying to make us, like, feel like Batman has taught Robin a lesson about family and trust. Batman has been a jerk this whole time. He's, he's, he's chastising Robin for getting frozen, but Batman had to be rescued also. Yes. I, I feel like Robin's complaints are kind of justified of, like, Robin's, hey, Robin's annoying, but he's not wrong. It'll, this comes up a lot in this movie, so I think it, it becomes more prominent later. But this whole this whole tension between Batman and Robin is so forced and it's just so phony. It's it doesn't work. It, at it doesn't all. work at all. And I, you know, maybe maybe it's Clooney, maybe it's O'Donnell. I I don't know. I again, I, it's hard to pinpoint what the problem is, but n- none of it really works well. Yeah. And speaking of things not working well, I have a note here saying Bruce has a heart to heart with Alfred. Who cares? Yeah. Because there's a lot of that in this movie, also. Yeah, there is. And, you know, so what, what I had on that, because you have these, you know, flashback scenes. I think that was the first one. They have this heart to heart and Bruce remembers back when he was, you know, young. Uh, and there's no dialogue in those. It's all silent in his memories, which I, I find interesting. But the only thing that I guess I took away is that when they finally did reboot eight years later, they did it right. In in so much as they said, no, let's actually go back. Let's explore that. Sure. And, you know, let's give it dialogue, which is, you know, maybe these scenes would have been a little bit better if they had dialogue and they weren't phantoms that apparently can't speak. Um, and it, it wasn't just once. There's, I think, three times that it comes up. And it just seemed like 
one, it seemed like all of the Alfred stuff was just bolted on and kind of, unfortunately, a waste. Um, well, it's the thing. Batman Begins does it right because that's the first movie. That's the yes. movie where you should be doing that. You can't after four movies. You can't suddenly say Alfred is this important character and we need you're, to foreground right. him and, 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 and make this him, him the emotional center in the movie. It's like for the last three movies he just stood around and you know served food and hadn't he was not involved in the story at yep. all. And and that's one of many improvements in in the Nolan reboots. But I, I think it you're right that all of a sudden you can't have him sick and he needs to be like the heart and focal point in. Batman Begins, you get exactly that. I mean, that was his family. After his you know, parents are murdered, Alfred raises him. I mean, he, he's, he's who he knows from however old he is when his parents are murdered. He should have, when I, when I really think about it, they really shortchanged him in all these movies. He really should have had a far more prominent and important role. Yeah, him and Gordon are, are just afterthoughts for yes. sure. It's like, these are characters that, are, that need to be in a Batman movie, but it's completely obligatory. Like, which is fine if you want to do that, but then in the fourth movie, you just can't you can't make Alfred suddenly this. No, important. and and I kind of I felt the same way that that entire storyline is kind of like who cares? This movie could have been under two hours if you would have got rid of all of this stuff. And, but especially in this movie, it's like if you want to make a campy silly Batman movie, make a campy silly Batman movie. Don't force feed us this stuff. Yeah. Oh, he's dying, and, and, and it's forced tension and then forced drama, if you will, of. Alfred dying. Yeah, it's it it's weirdly grafted on, and it you know not to be insensitive, but that guy's pretty old. <laughs> He's had a good run, is what you're saying? Well, it's like you know, obviously if he can if they can cure him, they should cure him. But right. <laughs> He's had a good run. Kinda, yeah. You know, he's he. I don't know how old that actor is, Michael Go. I don't know if it's Go or Goff. I I said both, but uh, uh, you know, he was Alfred in all these movies, and he was yep. old at the start. Yep. And this is ten years later. It's like he's got that actor had to be at least you know eighty at that point, right? Yeah, he's had a good run. So yeah, so then we get the scene real briefly of uh, of Poison Ivy becoming Poison Ivy, right? Where yes, he's Which, he, the doctors made his deal. The bidding war is over. Yes. And it was on the phone bidder. We we don't know which uh, which nation the the ones pictured were not the winning bidders. So it was probably the United States is probably who ultimately was the winner. I didn't pick up that it was the mystery bidder. I, I, uh, yes, it was somebody on the phone. I believe is is ultimately. Oh, that's true because that's he's talking on the phone saying, yes. oh, "I will ship you to yes. Spain or whatever." Yes, and then uh, she comes out of the hole in the ground that the chemicals made, and she now she's poison ivy, and she's yes, and it's it follows the uh, the suit of so many. Um, I don't know if it's romantic like teen movies of. Oh wow, she had glasses before, but you know now all of a sudden she's <laughs> really, really attractive. Which whatever, yeah, you know, Uma Thurman. If the, if there is any, I guess redeeming factor, not that she's great, but I think what she's trying to play in this, I actually think she does a pretty good job. I agree. I think she's the best thing in this movie, and and she's very she's she's definitely camping it up and playing it very broad and big, but she's doing it well. Yes. Like you know, Arnold's doing it okay. Or you think he's a little uncomfortable at it? The parts that I think he's at best, he's best because the next scene is when we cut to Freeze's hideout, and let's play. This is this is my favorite part of the movie. Uh, so we're, we're uh, just let's just play it then. Yeah, it's, it's, it's we're cutting to his hideout. Snowy cones ice cream, which is great. I'm Mr. White Christmas. I'm gonna try not to laugh too hard. <laughs> he's got these polar bear slippers, and he's like, I don't know. If oh, he's got polar bears on the on his like robes too. I never noticed that. It's like a Timothy conductor. Turns to snow in my clutch. Come on, sing! Louder! Come on, sing, sing, sing! Come on! They've got frozen dinners. So yeah. 
I just love him conducting. Sing, come on. Uh, yes, that that scene is great, and it, you, we we cut it off. But I have it. Why is misbehaving? Why is she in lingerie? I just I I. <laughs> well, you know why. But. I I yes, I know why. But you know, I I feel the need. I've I've pointed this out in in other other movies. I just. I know why, but particularly this one, the henchmen are there freezing, and right. she has no problem just walking around in in you know thigh highs and just about nothing else. Well, her lingerie has like you know Arctic oh like, you know, Arctic theme, so apparently it's warm lingerie. <laughs> yeah, she's probably you know standing around the heater all, at all times, but you know she's trying to she's she's into Mister Freeze. She's trying to entice him. You know, it's it's uh, but so you very casually use her name, Misbehaving. I did not know this was this character's name until I was, you know, looking at Wikipedia for this. It's never said out loud, is it? I don't think so, because I, I remember that it was um, looking up Vivica A. Fox on something else, actually, her time on Curb Your Enthusiasm. I'm like, oh my, I forgot she was in Batman and Robin. I'm yeah. going to be doing this. I'm like, oh yeah, I do remember misbehaving. And then so I watched the movie trying to get that, because again, it was another like bad pun. And I'm pretty sure it's never actually said in the movie. It's not. So I, I, it's almost a thing where I want to count it as a pun, but they never do whenever it says it. Yeah, I don't think they do because I, I tried paying as close of attention. And again, I'm taking a lot of notes. I could have missed it. I actually watched this one and a half times. <laughs> I could have missed it, but I don't think I did. I don't think it's ever said. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's a, that's a great name. How do they not put Play more, that up? If yeah. You, if you're playing, if you're hamming everything else up, why not that? That's a pretty, that, I actually think that's a pretty funny name. Like, it's, it's dumb, but it's dumb in the right way. I, I, I cannot believe. She's only in this one scene. This is after Independence Day. Yeah, that's 1994. That was like her big break, and that's certainly the thing. I first remember her from yeah. noticing her, but the, the fact that she's just in this one scene as like the girl clinging to Mr. Freeze's arm and then is just gone, you never see her again after this. Uh, it's really, I feel like uh, this part is beneath Vivica A. Fox. Yeah, I, other than maybe, you know, it's like, oh, I want to be in a Batman movie, so I'll take this, you know, kind of garbage part. Yeah, so anyway, so we get the we get Freeze's plan, which is, I mean... Nonsense. Whatever. He's going to hold the city ransom for billions so he complete, can complete his research. What well, city has billions of dollars to spend? Well, yeah, what city has billions of dollars to spend? He seems to be doing okay because he's manufacturing these, you know, rockets and he's manufacturing these, you know, drill drill tanks. I, how how much more does he need? I mean, yeah, it's never clear because I still don't understand if he needs the diamonds to complete his research or if he needs the diamonds in order to. I think that's the thing is he needs these diamonds in order to complete his freeze ray. To that, to then hold the city ransom. But yes, it's just it's the most convoluted thing, you know. And it's supposed to be oh, it's all, he's all doing it all for his you know dying wife. But I don't know. It's just too confusing to be like to really have an opinion about it one way or the other. It's just, it, it, it it's not that interesting. Yeah, I do like that he's got his own little bat cave where his his wife and her in the tank is. He's like he like pulls like a chicken dinner or something in, yes. the, in the refrigerator. Uh, that's kind of funny. It's kind of, that is very, you know, Adam West Batman. Very much. And they pull the head up and hit a button. Yes. Sliding slides up here. The him, him as the conductor, I had a star by it. That was the highlight of the movie for me. It was all downhill from here. That I won't say that was worth watching it because it's not, but it, <laughs> it does. If I had to watch this movie again, I would at least look forward to that because that is a pretty good scene. I would wager to say it's the only good part of this movie. That's That might be fair. Uh yeah, so we go back to uh, Wayne Manor. Back this to Wayne a, Manor, and this, this is where Batgirl shows up. Or where introduction Barbara. of Alicia Silverstone and Batgirl. She is dreadful in this movie. 
You want to talk about Clooney like sleepwalking? I think you know I I'm giving Clooney the benefit of the doubt because he's giving a very Clooney performance, and it's just a bad fit. I think Alicia Silverstone is comatose. I mean, yeah, she she. So this was nominated for many many Razzies. Oh, she dude. is the only one that won a Razzie. I'm I'm of the opinion that there are some more that should have probably won, but she is bad. She's, and really, up to this point, she had you know one successful movie, Clueless, which I'm not sure you know how much that was outside of her range, if you will. And action hero, no, it, this was clearly a casting. We want somebody really young and attractive uh, for you know toys or whatever, and just bad casting. Yeah, and a lot has been made on the internet about her accent or lack of it. You know, because she's supposed to be English. She's from uh, what is it, Oxbridge or something. Some like uh, yes, the combination com- of Oxford and uh, Cambridge. Cambridge. Thank you. Yeah, she's supposed to be be English, and she's not even trying. Why? Why even? Like again, at some point during the filming, they should have said like change the script. You know, because she she's first of all she's Alfred's niece, which considering Alfred's age, like surely his like great niece, right? Not his. It would seem like it. Yes, the age disparity seems very strange. Because he's going, oh, he's, he's she's his sister's daughter, and we see a picture of the sister. I forget what her real name is, but Peg is the nickname, right? Yes, because that becomes it's probably, a, it's probably Margaret. Yes, yeah. I think so. But Peg becomes a password. But you see a picture of her, and the picture looks like it's from the 1940s. Like yes. the, the photograph of it, her. It's uh, all of it doesn't make sense. It's black and white, and she's in like flapper gear. <laughs> How does? But I mean, why even? I don't even know. I'm 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 so exhausted just trying to just follow. I'm you know trying even trying to meet this movie halfway is pointless. It's like what is the movie trying to tell us? The movie doesn't even care. The movie doesn't know what it's trying to tell us. So why even? Why are we trying? Anyway, but uh, yeah, Batgirl is the so Batgirl's introduced, comes in, is excited to see Alfred, tucks him in. And apparently travels with a helmet and steals a motorcycle and is <laughs> yeah. right out. away the first night. Yes, just takes off. Eventually, you get a little more there, but that's that's our introduction to Alicia Silverstone as Alfred's niece, not Barbara Gordon. Alfred's niece, yeah, soon to be Batgirl. So then I think we, the next you get a little bit of a scene with I don't know it brings a little bit of a smile to my face. Bane in in that getup as the as the driver. I'm yeah. not I'm not sure why, but it it did kind of make me smile. It is a funny image. His like yes. Humphrey Bogart getup. Yes, the Humphrey Bogart. Uh, it's not driving Miss Daisy, but I don't know some, something about it just made me smile. Well, later in the movie, there's a photograph of them like arriving at the airport, and he's in that, and the photograph is even funnier. Yes, just, like he's got his hat on, like his, that's like he's, he's yeah, he's trying to trying to be incognito, and it's just it's not going to work. But certainly, he didn't put that on himself. No. Like she must have dressed him like okay, now Bane, like yes. sit still, I'm putting this hat on you. It's like uh, when they put the cuffs on Chewbacca. It's like okay, sit still. Okay, you're a big strong thing. I'm just going to put this hat on you. Yeah, <laughs> just please sit still. Uh, yeah, and this is where we they introduce the observatory, and there's an event dedication with the gossip columnist or whoever whoever that that uh, the the chatty lady is that wants to uh, that's interviewing Bruce Wayne. This is the first of two events at this observatory. Yes, that's too too many. They would never. I mean, rich people aren't going to show up at an observatory to like uh, christen it. Like ah, oh, this new observatory. They don't know. No one cares. It's no one cares about these scientific pursuits. They're not going to have two, you know, one, let alone two. So this is like—is this like supposed to be the announcement, and then the one later where Poison Ivy like hypnotizes uh, Commissioner Gordon and gets the keys? That's when they're opening it, right? Yeah. Or I, or is it the reverse? I don't even know. 
Regardless. Yeah, there's an event. And Gossip Gertie is there and is yes. asking... Oh, we meet Elle McPherson as uh, as Bruce's uh, girlfriend. Yes. I didn't. I don't know her name. But Another we're... replacement for Nicole Kidman from Batman Forever. Do you think... Which, in, in some ways... You kind of wonder that they burn Nicole Kidman. Maybe Nicole Kidman would have been interesting as as Poison Ivy, uh, since she she at least wouldn't have needed the color or a wig to have the red hair. That could have been good. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that probably I, I think Nicole worked. Kidman would have been pretty interesting. Again, I think Umar Thurman is probably the best part of this movie. So fix changing that wouldn't have changed much because she really was the only good part in it. But it would have been interesting to have Nicole Kidman available. For Wasn't that. It, I mean, it would. This this Al McPherson's character is not the same as Nicole Kidman's It's not the same, right? but it, uh, I'm just saying it's the same role, if you will. Yeah, I mean, she's not a villain or anything. She's no. just she's just a love interest. Yes. Do you think maybe this was supposed to be... Maybe do you think they wrote this thinking it would be Nicole Kidman and she didn't come back? And they changed the name of the character? Uh, I, I didn't even know. think about it. But yeah, it, it feels like... Because they, they, they act like it's this long-term relationship, that he, which is, is a strange depiction of Bruce Wayne. Because, you know, as long as he's Batman, you wouldn't think, you know, they're, I mean, mean, whatever. He's had love interests in previous movies, but this, uh, she's asking, like, oh, marriage? You know, it's like, the the movie implies that they've been seeing each other a long time. Isn't he worried that she's going to find out he's Batman? Well, the closer someone gets to him, like. Yeah, well, the interesting thing is, though, is that all of the other love interests all find out in all the preceding movies. Nicole Kidman? Yeah. They all, they all know. I guess you're right. So, so I guess he just he's beyond caring. Just and, like, ah. and so I, I don't know if the plan was to have Elle McPherson come back for a, another movie after this. She she doesn't. She's the only one that doesn't. And including when they reboot, the love interest there, uh, Rachel Dawes, the character that's made for, for those specific movies, knows you know in, in the first one and then subsequent ones as well. So really, Elle McPherson's character is the only of the love interest that doesn't doesn't find that out. My guess is they might have had grander plans for that character. Maybe. In in a in a next installment, if there's going to be one, yeah, because she has nothing to do in this movie, no, and has no, there's no like the whole idea of like is he is, is Bruce going to propose? It doesn't go anywhere. She's never put in any kind of danger. She's not involved in the story at all. It's it's the only way she's involved is there's that scene later where like he kisses her and he says Ivy, and she's like who's Ivy? But it's not like that even like you'd think they'd play that up and be like oh they broke up because you know I, I he's he's been hypnotized by Ivy they don't even do that nope she's there mainly because she's Elle McPherson I and, guess so and I mean, she looks good so. yeah, and she does she looks good in this movie for sure yep uh, so yeah we meet these scientists I want to single out one guy and you'll oh maybe go ahead no you do it no nope, <laughs> I want to know you where do. you know him from nope uh, go ahead it was Ping. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So he's Judge Ping on Arrested Development. But the the place that I first noticed him, and this is uh, his name is My, uh, Michael Paul Chan, and he's a character actor. He's been in a million things. The thing that I know him from originally, when I when I saw him as Ping, you know, it was it was the thing that made me go, oh, it's that guy. He's in Maverick. You ever see? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't remember him in it, but I'm I'm sure you're right. And the, the the Western poker movie. Yep. He's a very he has a very small part where he's one of the guys in like the tournament at the end. And the line I always remember, and it was a, a friend of mine from college, we used to quote it all the time, like when we play poker or, or cards in general, where it's the scene at the end of the movie, not to spoil too much of Maverick, but they're, they're playing the final scene of the game, and uh, 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 what's his, uh, I forget the guy. Mel Gibson. No, not Mel Gibson. The, the bad Garner. No, the other bad guy. From, he's in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Alfred Molina. Yes. Alfred Molina has his hand, and he goes, how are you going to beat my straight flush? And he puts out a straight flush. 
and everyone's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Michael Paul Chan is right behind Alfred Molina, and he goes, ha, 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 unbeatable. <laughs> and that's just stuck in my head so much. It's just him going, unbeatable. And so every, like, we'd play cards and just constantly like, how are you going to beat my two pair? Unbeatable. It just became a running joke. And so this guy... He's he's you know he's a very he's, he's a character actor but he's been in other stuff but you wouldn't forget him because of that he's yeah he's, he's he has a lot of memorable parts he's also the shopkeeper in Falling Down uh, yes I forgot about that yeah. I'm disappointed obviously the Joel Schumacher connection that's uh, probably yeah, exactly. the reason why he's he's uh got got pulled into this one yeah for sure Un- unfortunate for him. He's uh, hamming it up too in this one, by the way. Everybody is. He he seems like a guy who gets a lot of small parts and goes like, "I want to make sure people notice me." Yes, but he's. He, I don't mind it because uh, he's he's in Maverick. He's really funny. That one moment. Uh, yeah. So, oh, so this is where Ivy shows up as herself and goes like, "You, whatever, you're the oppressor." Yes, whatever she she, says. she gives Bruce Wayne a piece of his mind. Bruce, I think, handles it very professionally and yeah, and invites her to the thing to the, exactly. to the party. Yep. Which is interesting. It's like she's just a crazy lady who forced herself and she's like, oh, come. <laughs> it's, it's a little too professional, I Pro- think. Probably. Uh, she does show up. I yes. Mean, <laughs> it's a little bit later. Uh, so then we go back to Freeze's hideout, and Freeze is watching uh, wedding footage from his yes, wedding. Yes, his wedding video, which is another line from Arnold that I like. I hate when people talk during the movie. That is pretty good. I, I actually kind of wish that that would be used uh, more often during uh, the. The openings to movies. I <laughs> right actually, when you go I to wish, movie, you know, for to silence cell phones. I, I wish they would have Arnold as Mister Freeze a little bit more because that would bring a smile to my face. It's like uh, what was that clip you always used to like? Uh, uh, it, Lowe's used. It was it was Columbo, right? Yeah, it, uh, it was. Yes, it was Peter Falk, Peter and Falk. it was actually from oh the movie with him and Truman Capote, uh, Murder by Death. It was actually from Murder by Death, and that that opening sequence for you know of. Uh, for Lowe's theaters was I have to go to the can again. I don't want to miss nothing. Everything <laughs> it had been. I, I I knew that line before I saw Murder by Death. And yeah, then when I, I, I can't tell you how excited I was, I'm like, oh, I, f- I finally found the movie that that's from. And I only know that line because of you. So it should have been yes. in that montage. Which I hate when people talk. I hate when movie. people talk during the movie. So that that's another you know sort of like Bane in the hat. It's not the best part of the movie, and there aren't very many good ones, but. That that did bring a smile to my face. But anyway, so uh, Freeze's henchman Frosty shows up. Yeah, he's Frosty the henchman. Yes. I don't know if that's intentional, but I I kind of enjoy that. I enjoy it as well. Uh, and he shows in the the newspaper of like, Bruce Wayne's going to donate some diamonds, and uh, Mister Freeze wants diamonds to complete his thing or whatever. Freeze f- Freeze he shoots Frosty with his freeze ray, and then we never see that guy again. I, I'm going to count that as a, as a yeah, that, in the body count. That's but, a body count. Because who's, no one's around to thaw that guy. No. Okay, that's reasonable. I just want to. I think I, that's what I assumed, and I kind of wonder. He's a henchman that actually has a name, and you've just gotten rid of him. Why? Yeah. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's the only henchman. That right. He's the only one out. that gets a name, and he's he's in the body count for so, no apparent reason. Yeah. So that's number two. We're at two on the body count. Uh, yes, this is where that party of rich people and they're they're. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what they're bidding on. I the the whole thing is. Yeah, I, it, 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 it almost makes it seem like they're bidding on... The, like the, the, the newspaper makes it look like they're going to bid on this diamond, but then they just bid on the girls that are there. Yeah, they're bidding on girls, and I'm, I, for a family movie in 1997, <laughs> I have to admit, i kind of like, I'm not sure about this. What's implied here? Because yeah. those are some pretty big dollar amounts, too. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is very strange. I mean, it's the kind of thing where 
like a bachelor auction is the kind of thing that you can get away with, but you can't get away with this. Like no. the reverse is not cool. And what, what I was wondering, actually, what you know, if, if I were doing it, I'd be like, you know what, I'm going to see if I can get Robert Redford to show up and maybe have Demi Moore up there as well. Why not? It does have that feel for sure. Yes, absolutely. This party is so weird with all like the neon. There's like guys in gorilla suits dancing around and stuff, and people swinging on vines. I I wrote this. I'm just going to read this note verbatim. I wrote. It's like if a bunch of rich people decided they want to throw one of those raves they've been reading about so much in the New Yorker. <laughs> and that's this is what they think it is. It's such a strange party. Like the, yeah, the the only thing that I enjoy is I did for some reason I liked, you know, the reveal poison ivy coming out of the big gorilla suit. For some reason I thought that worked and I kind of I I really liked that. You think that worked? I mean, yeah, it, I don't know why. First of all, like they all look, she's not making any noise. They're, the bidding's happening. And then suddenly they go like, huh? And they look, but she's not doing anything to draw their attention. So I don't understand how that works. All right, that that's true. And then she starts doing a sexy dance when she's pulling, but she's pulling the gloves, the gorilla gloves off for first. But for like the first half of this dance, she's just a gorilla doing a sexy I, dance. You're right. I, I guess, again, I think it's because she is, I think Uma Thurman's the highlight of the movie. I think, I don't know, I think she's hamming it up in an entertaining way. No, I mean, I think once she's out of that gorilla suit and like she comes down and she, it, it's the first, it's the reveal that she can like, she has this pheromone dust right. or whatever. Uh, yeah, she she's this scene is a good scene for her, and it's it's not really clear what she her plan is there because she doesn't really do anything. She's just kind of there to cause trouble, I guess, or something. Yeah. Uh, or maybe she wants to steal that diamond just for fun. I don't even know. No, her her ultimate plan is um, to get between that Batman and Robin are the problem, and she's going to get in between oh. Batman and Robin. Okay, so she knows that they're going to be there. Yep. Because they're the, special, they're the guests. special guests. They're just standing around on the stage. Like, yes. Hi there. Hello. Hello. I'm Batman. Hello. I'm Robin. But they're, but they're, Batman and Robin are throwing this party specifically to set a trap for Mr. Freeze, which seems wildly irresponsible. Yes. Let's just put all these rich people in harm's way. Yes. In particular, when, you know, he's, he froze how many of those guards at the museum of random, random things next to one another. Right. He's there. And especially, you would assume that a lot of those people actually are, in Bruce Wayne's social circle. Oh, yeah. So, so he's effectively putting, you know, his his friends in harm's way. Well, speaking of uh, his social circle, and it's it's one of these things, it's not the first time this has happened, but cameo by uh, Vermont Senator Patrick Leahy. Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that. He is a big Batman fan, and he's been in every Batman movie since Batman Forever. Wow. In some kind of a cameo. But in, in but in the in the Nolan Batmans, he's got a couple of lines. And he's the same character in all three movies. If you look for him, He's 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 a member of the of the Wayne board in those movies. Oh, okay. And he's the I think guy. I know who then? He's the guy when the Joker in Dark Knight Joker crashes. It's a very similar scene, only much better done. Where, where Bruce is throwing a party and Joker crashes it. And Patrick Leigh, he's the guy who goes. We aren't intimidated by, by thugs. thugs. And I, he says, you remind me of my father. Yes, I, I, I did not realize. Thank you for that trivia. I did that's, not realize that I know exactly who it is now that you say that. That's Patrick Leigh, senator from Vermont, and. It's funny because in this, he doesn't have a line here. He's just in the crowd of rich guys. And when they're all bidding, he's like, I bid $50,000 or whatever. And he's standing right behind that guy with like the mustache who bids the most. And he gives the funniest reaction. He, he doesn't have a line, but he just kind of goes like, oh, oh, ah. He's just making faces, you know, yeah. like amazed faces. Maybe it's good that in subsequent movies they gave him a line. <laughs> he's, uh, it's interesting that he's such a big Batman fan that he, he 
Like, this is the way he's using his position of power. I'm going to get in every <laughs> he's Batman. He's getting movie. cameos in Batman movies. But this is one of the earliest appearances. I, I don't know where he is in Batman Forever, but... Uh, so with, uh, with this, you get another one of the really, really bad parts of this movie. The Bat credit card just was oh, right. so terrible. It is. I mean, I, 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 I really... I don't know if I got physically ill, but I really cringed. Like, wow, that's and it, bad. And it makes a cha-ching sound, which yes. is the part that is the worst. I, I mean, it's like it was a, a bad American Express commercial, but just not ironic. I mean, just bad. It's it's, but it is bad because he doesn't even get the American Express the line right because that the, all those old commercials were "Don't leave home oh, without right, it," right. and he goes, "I never." What is it? I forget exactly how he phrases it, but he's just like. I don't ever leave the Batcave without, without one. Yeah, I think that's what it is. <laughs> he doesn't even get it right. I know he. I know he didn't say it right. It yeah, which is funny because I, you know, I'm reminded that it's been done before in movies that it worked really well. Like in Major League, I think the, the American Express card, "Don't steal home without it." I mean, yeah, that's actually the, funny. It's actually funny. One of the best parts in the movie. It's a great, you know, commercial overall. But that's all. That's also actual product placement. Yes. Like he doesn't actually flash an American Express no, card. It just says Goth card. Yes. <laughs> I didn't realize it said goth card. Yeah, I didn't do a lot of pausing and writing down like things on walls because I just couldn't take it. But uh, that was the one thing I did pause and look like, what kind of credit card is this? It's a goth card. So, so apparently, the, the people that uh, are of you know the goth persuasion, apparently they have their own credit card. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, uh, something tells me they would reject the goth card. Actually, yeah, it's too corporate. It's too corporate. Can't have a, have a credit card if you're goth. Uh, yeah, so they, Freeze shows up and he swings across the room and he steals the diamond. Uh, how are Batman and Robin? Oh, he just they're, they're fighting a bunch of his thugs, right? While yes. he steals the diamond? Yep. And then Poison Ivy tries to take it from him or whatever and he's, he's immune to... It doesn't work on the cold-hearted. It does not work on the cold-hearted. <laughs> so uh, he steals this diamond and there's a chase. And they like end up on like a crazy statue... Yeah, the, the Gotham City layout in this movie during the chases, it's, it's really, really weird. It's weird, but I kind of like it. I like how crazy it is. It's like, it's like an M.C. Escher city. Like they're, they're on a highway for a little bit, and the highway's like elevated like 30 stories up, and then yeah. they crash through a thing, and they drive down the arm of a giant statue. And, and I actually kind of like the the shot of when like Robin's like, I can make the jump, and Batman's like, I'm going to deactivate your bike, which seems... Way more. Just let him try. Like yes, he he, he ends up sliding down. That's right. Own... It seems like that's extremely dangerous and irresponsible. Yeah, this, that's what I'm saying. Like Batman just is a, he's such a huge jerk. Just <laughs> yeah, to Robin, say, this whole a, movie. He's a jerk, and it's not very logical. Because when I saw it, I'm like, how is that doing him any good? He doesn't know how long he's going to have for him to be able to stop. Yeah, for, so I, but I do think it's a cool shot where Robin like he stops right in time, then he jumps off. And he's just like ah, and screams like it's it's. Silly and like why he he's it's so over the top in terms of like his acting, but I actually think it's kind of a cool shot. Uh, so Freeze makes the jump. Free, two of Freeze's henchmen crash into a building. So there's three in body count three and four. Those yep. guys clearly do not survive. No, they did not make it. But it is interesting. This is one of the more interesting things in this movie is Batman does capture Freeze like halfway through the movie. Yep. Like that's that's actually. Interesting, and you would you know something new and different, just structurally like, oh, this is unexpected. I mean, it's the kind of thing that's just wasted in this movie, but I, I liked, I do like that. Yep. So they 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 capture him. We get back to uh, we find out Alfred has very little time left. Not sure any of the viewers care, as we have already established. Unfortunately, the, the two of us don't care for sure. Yes. 
Uh, and Batgirl has snuck back from whatever she was doing with the helmet that she brought with her and the motorcycle that she stole. And this is where we learn she knows judo. Because yes. he catches her coming back and she goes, hi, yeah, like Miss Piggy and flips it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. I like the like Miss Piggy. Although you got to be careful since I do believe there was some controversy back then about her putting on weight. Uh, while while this movie was filming and not fitting in the background. Oh, Alicia Silver's? <laughs> oh, yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. That was not what I was okay. implying. I'm just, you know, anytime you have to go hi ya, that's not, you're, you're not convincing us that you know yes. martial arts. Just because you said hi ya, that doesn't prove you know any kind of martial arts skills. But so yeah. she heads back, she uh, disarms Robin, uh, and we get to maybe the most interesting part for me in the movie is we get to Arkham Asylum. Yeah. Arkham itself isn't all that interesting. However, the guards there are extremely interesting. We get a sight of an old friend of ours. Yes. Another <laughs> connection, which I'm glad there was one even in this movie. So I, I, you know, we've already had the grappling of governor versus governor. We get it yet again of at least both governors on screen. Yeah, I, I do like, uh, and then, then some other guard that we don't, yeah. he's got an eye patch. Like, I don't know who that guy is, but uh, it should have just been Jesse. Jesse Ventura is who we're talking Jesse Ventura about. doesn't need any assistance. He, he could have handled Mr. Freeze on his own. He's, he's very, he's, he's like strange casting because it's just, he's just some schmo, some guy. He's just, oh my guard. You know, he doesn't do anything that you would need Jesse Ventura for, but whatever. No, especially I, because Mr. Freeze can't leave the cold zone, which. <laughs> the cold zone. The cold zone, I really don't understand. So the, it's just an air conditioning vent with a bunch of air conditioning. How, how is that keeping him alive? I just. It seems like it's supposed to be some kind of a beam that's like shooting down and keeping him cold to so the, he can the survive. Sci- the, much of the science in this movie is beyond me. The science of the cold zone is definitely beyond me. But yeah, Jesse Ventura just explaining he has to stay in the cold zone. Yes. I guess, you know what, for that alone, it, it does kind of make, make it worth it. Because what it reminded me of is our, the old days when I know you watched a little bit WWF. Let me tell you something, Gene, is actually what that really reminded me of, of yeah. Mean Gene Oakland. It reminded me of the old days of Jesse the Body Ventura on WWF. He can't help but do that line. Yes. It's, it's just the most expositional thing, but he's, he's going to deliver it in a Jesse Ventura way. Yes. Uh, yeah, and then this is where uh, finally Robin catches, uh, or I guess Dick catches Barbara sneaking out with one of his motorcycles. And he follows her down to the... <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. I don't know what, what. it's. This seems like the the birth of the Fast and the Furious franchise, except for on motorcycles. It's all I really had. It's it's a sidebar that just doesn't matter. And it's another thing that I would put on the cutting room floor to get this thing under two hours so that you could get people to move on with their lives faster. But the fact that uh, the guy running this underground race is Coolio. That, I guess that, yeah, I guess that's interesting enough. I mean, it's funny how, like... The little things that really hint you in on what year, like, yep, it's strange that the things that date movies, but Coolio dates this movie. Like, <laughs> Dangerous Minds was a couple years before, and the soundtrack from that is what you know kind of launched his popularity, and so and he would have been the Voyage, it thing. If yeah, you will. And he was definitely at his at his very peak. short peak. He was yes. he came and gone, much like MC Hammer in Last Action Hero. This we're, we're kind of tracking the history of hip hop through these movies, strangely. Yes. Like it's it's interesting. To backtrack just for one second, we did skip over that uh, we established Poison Ivy's lair in oh, the right. Turkish we bath. Some, yeah, I did Bane skip beats some guys up. Uh, just the whole Turkish bath. I, I'm not. A, I don't completely understand her lair, but it has now been established. She's she's now got a hideout. It's not nearly as great as Mr. Freeze's hideout, but she now has one. You're right. I, I did skip that. So my mistake. But uh, yeah, in those like weird neon. Like, yes, gang. there's some punk guys that uh, Bane takes care of 
pretty quickly since Poison Ivy is a lover, not a fighter. Oh, oh I forgot. He steps on a board and they'll go like, whoop, and just flip over his head. Yes, it's it, such it's, a cartoon. It's so cartoon. Bad. It's just bad. Just I wanted to make sure we at least covered it. She now has the Turkish bath. The main reason is because is I'm not sure that place was condemned. I just don't know why that's how, – how are they going to live there? Is there – and apparently there was well, still running water, but I right. – Well, she uh, she scatters some, like, Skittles around, and then, yeah. it, it, you <laughs> know. The, the Skittles, that that's how she gets plants to yeah, start taking over. They transform this place from a condemned building into a paradise, yeah. because obviously that's the gar- how – The Garden of Eden. That's how that works, clearly. But anyway, so, back, yes, back to we, the race. Back to the racers. Uh, the, the, one, the one thing that brought a spot on my face in that was the, the group of Clockwork Orange – Oh yeah, uh, Droogies. What was uh, you know? I, I'm not sure how that really fits into this movie, but I, I liked it. So Joel Schumacher, thank you for that. I like the idea of it, but they're like they don't look at all. Like I actually, I actually went back and found a picture. Just like something looks off about their costumes, and like like they're like the cod pieces are all the wrong color and stuff. They they don't look like a gang that is emulating that movie. They just look like a bunch of like cosplayers at Comic Con. I'm just like <laughs> that's great. They- they're cosplayers instead of you know a gang that really had attention to detail. They yeah. just are, are low rent cosplay. Yeah, let's all go as the Droogies. Let's yeah. just let's go to that the race as the Droogies. Why not? Yeah. So this race, whatever. This guy like sets a trap. I don't understand the trap because they, they like swoop down and throw a bunch of Molotov cocktails, and then they go like ah, and they slide, and then the bridge is out. So did they do that also, or is this bridge just out? And if so, all those races are heading towards the bridge anyway. Yes. So I don't. So, so why why waste the Molotov cocktails? I just don't understand what's even happening. That's just the the curse of this movie is. I'm trying so hard to meet this movie halfway. It's like okay, I'm gonna try and figure out some kind of justification. There's none. That uh, clearly Coolio was just trying to send all those people to their death. Yes. Every one of those racers was just gonna fly out. He's just clip. gonna keep the money. So I assume they put up all the money, and that's his scam. <laughs> so but, so yeah, this guy's gang actually saved everyone's life, including you know Robin and Batgirl, just like. Everyone stopped because there was a fire, and like, hey, thank you. We didn't drive off the bridge, thanks to you. Thank now you. we can track down Coolio and get our entry fee back. Yeah, we never see Coolio again, so we'll just assume that uh, they really uh, they, they went after him. Uh, yeah, and they go back to the mansion, and she ex- explains that uh, her parents died, and this is why she wants to drive fast. Yeah, and Ugh. she doesn't uh, like butler work and thinks it's demeaning. Yeah, that's something that I think could have been... That's that's a point of view that no, no Batman movie has had before, and could have been interesting. But then they don't do anything with it. They they don't. But uh, in this particular instance, I think it would be a little bit different too. That it's not it's not like Alfred has served just as Bruce's servant all these years. He's served as his, you know he's Bruce has been a son to him basically. Right. So it's a little bit different dynamic than if he truly was just the help, like when Bruce's parents was, were alive. And that's kind of the point Robin is making, but the movie doesn't really sell us on that. She, no. She's just talking about his like dismal life of servitude. And again, since Alfred has not been a really central character in this, this up until this movie, like the only reason why we know that is because of those weird flashbacks you were talking about. But uh, you know, if you look at all four of these movies, you don't necessarily know that Alfred raised him. No, I don't think any of the movies make that clear. Not no, no. Clearly, they they reestablish and and do it in the Nolan films, but no, right? Not. Yeah, we're it's hard it's hard to look at this movie and not because we have all this knowledge or right. this point of view from those movies, yeah. Um, but regardless, so now we head back to uh, Arkham and Mister Freeze can can make a music box out of a clock, which I I find interesting. I I will buy that a hundred percent. Except where is the music coming from? I, I don't understand any of it. The rest of it I will buy. I will hundred percent buy it. But not with music. 
He's got a clock, and the clock is geared. But, you know, again, this movie, it defies scrutiny. Uh, yeah, and then Poison Ivy shows up. She kills uh, Jesse Ventura and not Jesse Ventura. Yes. So, so five and six. Jesse, we, we hardly knew you. Uh, one thing I did note here from, from this uh, escape scene is there, there's a sign that is up that actually says it's a criminal locker. <laughs> where where, where the <laughs> yeah. stuff is stored and they have like Mr. Uh, oh, not Mr. The, the Riddlers. Yeah, and Two-Face. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and although Two-Face shouldn't have been there because Two-Face was, was killed off in Batman Forever. I had that same thought. It's obviously just like a souvenir or something. But yeah. his, his, his suit is in there. A, a, apparently Arkham collects souvenirs as well as actual uh, uh, effects of those that are interned. Yeah, I didn't notice the sign though. That's pretty funny. Uh, yes, but, but Criminal Locker. Thank you for... To establish that, <laughs> just because those people, the people, the guards who work in Arkham Asylum need to be reminded, like yes. what that is. So then, what I find interesting is, so she, uh, she's, she's helping him escape with Bane. I do like uh, when Bane shows up with his suit. His line, <laughs> "A laundry service that delivers." Wow. Yes, that, I, I didn't have that one. It is a good one. That's what's. What, what right I don't on. understand is why can't the guards get in? How is it locked from the inside? It's very how how does a a, a, a basically a prison cell? Right. How can you not get in from the outside? <laughs> it's the Bane broke the lock. Who knows? Uh, you know the, the 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 thing that's more nonsense to me is the fact that Bane can't smash through the wall, so he freezes the pipes. It's like you know burst pipes can be a big problem and cause a lot of damage. They're not going to do more damage than a super soldier. Like, he's got reinforced steel exactly. walls. A pipe, a burst pipe's going to break. It's like a giant explosion, like a bomb hit the place yes. from a burst pipe. Always winterize your pipes. At the, I'm glad for that line, though, because that's kind of fun. <laughs> it's good advice, is really what it comes down to. This movie's doing a public service. Make sure you winterize your pipes. Uh, maybe, so you, you do I don't know if you highlighted this pun but you do I don't know I, you, you've got the poison ivy of great stems and buds are nice too which yeah, I, got, I wrote down both of those are countered in the puns uh, I thought you were going to uh, point out the that uh, poison ivy is going to help freeze grab his rocks uh, I, no, I, so I, a lot of double entendres yes a lot of yes in this sequence but all three of those puns are on my list for sure that's what I mean there's so many I mean you, we haven't been doing them we'll go through them at the end but man we're just breezing past a million puns. Uh, then I wrote down another goddamn Alfred heart to heart. <laughs> They're the worst. There's like four of them. It's way too much. Oh, I have a note here. I forgot because uh, uh, I do also like when Mr. Freeze calls Bane meatloaf. Oh, I missed that one. I forget what the, I just I just wrote down. Freeze calls Bane meatloaf. It's something like I hope meatloaf can swim when they jump into the, the river. Well, and before that, there's there's a line about the po- a poison icy action figure, which I just wrote down. I'm like, wow, they're they're just going oh. over the top with this. They're just blatantly saying, yes, we this this is about selling you toys. And here here is a line indicating this is about selling you toys. Well, that line is later when they're they go to freezes. But yeah, you're right. I definitely like highlighted that line of just like, yeah, because she says she says oh. I'm a lover, not a fighter. That's why every Poison Ivy That's, action figure comes with him. And she yes. points at Bane and Bane attacks. I looked it up. Every Poison Ivy figure did not come with Bane. Uh, <laughs> they couldn't even get that right. I'll bet there was some kid who saw that movie and went like, you know, and was actually like disappointed. Uh, probably not, actually, because what kid? Any kid who wants these toys gets what he deserves. Yes. Uh, but yeah, that's... Oh, you're right, because this is where... That is the next scene, because they, they escape... Uh, from Arkham. Arkham, and then there's a, another Alfred Heart to Heart, and then they all go to Freeze's hideout, which apparently they knew where it was the whole time. Uh, 
How do they now know? I mean, granted, it's a giant factory with like, like, like floodlights pointed up around. It's 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 the least. It is. It is not trying to not stick out. Uh, If you if you just use deduction, he needs to be really cold. Hey, how about this? How about this ice cream factory with uh, giant spotlights that are going back and forth in front of it? But yeah, they're there and they find uh, Mrs. Freeze. Uh, Freeze and Ivy show up. He wants his like diamonds, etc., and also wants her to get his wife. Which I don't know how he wants her to transport her. <laughs> it's a giant tank. Yes, and it's strength. Well, I guess I guess maybe if she's having Bane help, maybe Bane could carry it. I, I maybe I, I'm not sure if it's clear if that thing is a top. You have to be careful, like not to spill. spill. Like, it's just a funny image. Of just <laughs> so it's sort of uh, like the yes, it's like from the Prestige for from another Nolan movie where the top opens and all the water's in there. You got to be careful that you don't spill it out the top, right? I barely remember the Prestige. I'm sure okay. you're. I'm sure you're right. I don't remember that. Uh, yeah, and then Freeze turns on a lever which freezes the room and all that. Yes, and he gets his stuff, and she kills or supposedly kills Mrs. Freeze. Uh, yes, poison ivy kills free wife. What I had is somehow the the switch gets turned off, and all the cops are are alive again. They're they're all fine. Right. In particular, I have the wooden commissioner Gordon again. What happened? How did they get away? Yeah. <laughs> oh, is it so bad? Well, also it's so bad. It's it's bad. It's a bad delivery for sure. But also, like he doesn't have a right to be upset. He's got a bunch of cops there. Like, why is it Batman's job? Right. Why? You've got a whole team of cops. Like, what? How dare you let them escape, Batman? It's like you're the. I'm one guy. You've got the entire police force. <laughs> he's the most incompetent guy. Like he's this movie in particular. Just yes. He's just gonna kick up his feet. It's like Batman will do all the work. <laughs> I'm just waiting for my pension. I'm gonna let Batman do all the work. <laughs> Probably a lot of truth to that. Uh, yeah. So where where the hell are we? Oh, there's a fight underneath, like in the ice cream factory. Yes. And whatever, Bane and. Poison Ivy. They take turns like Batman will fight Bane while Poison Ivy tries to seduce Robin, and then vice versa. And Batman will fall on a pile it, of potatoes it, it, or it's something. It's like a tag team WWF match. <laughs> really, when really you is. get the, you have to have the right pairings, right? Yeah, it really is. There's our, there's our obligatory wrestling reference for this episode. Well, well along with Jesse the Body Ventura, which I, I said I'm just, You're I, right, yeah. I, I could not not mention that because his delivery just made me think of that. You're right though. It is like a tag team fight where Bane just goes back and forth. Yes, he's just, uh, and then. Uh, but nothing comes of this fight. The Bane and Poison Ivy escape. Robin gets upset at Batman, and Batman flips him to a, to a tub of melted ice cream, I guess is what that is. Yes. Which, he doesn't know what's in that. It could be full of chemicals. Maybe Mr. Freeze was playing in a poison Gotham City with ice cream. Doesn't, <laughs> I, he, doesn't he remember what happened with the Joker? He's just flipping into an unknown that, vat That is stuff? true, and that, that, that would have been good for Mr. Freeze to steal from the Joker, actually. Yeah, exactly. Do an improved Mr. Freeze products. He could have done that whole commercial again. Yes. That would have been great. Have actually, Arnold... would have, Arnold, that, <laughs> if there's a way to improve, there's many ways to improve this movie, that would have been a fun one. He's been using Brand X. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, now I really wish that had happened. So you, you've, you've got uh, Adam and Evil as well as a, a reference in here. Not necessarily a pun, but you, you have that just bef- as those, those fights are going on. I do like how... Uh, they go back to Ivy's lair, and Mr. Freeze has already built himself like a little man cave in there. Yes. <laughs> it's like, it's, I, I did, I did quite enjoy that. Yeah, and he's he's hard. He's already expand, you know, getting your, your man cave is probably the best way to put it. But it's just like he's just got a little room. It's all yes. frozen. It's just, yeah, it's her lair, but he's got you know he's got his drawer, if you will, that he gets to keep some of his clothes. He's made himself at home for yes. sure. Uh, so this, now they get their new plan because she convinces him that all of humanity must suffer and be killed. 
because his wife died. Like, it's a, it's a pretty big leap. Yes. <laughs> I mean, but you know what? It's let's just get to the final sequence. Yes. Okay. Uh, your wife is dead. Just go with Poison Ivy's plan, please. Yeah. I guess. I guess maybe this whole thing of maybe she is actually like getting to him and pheromones, or whatever. But just the idea that. He'd be like, my wife's dead. I will kill everyone in the world. <laughs> okay, I guess. Like, it's, this thing's a cartoon, so whatever. Yeah, oh yeah. And this, this is the second observatory gala. Yep. Is, is right here. Which is not that different from the first one other than this time Poison Ivy gets, he, she blows her pheromones into the commissioner's face and gets his keys. You you do have two things before that that I had noted. You had Uncle Wilfred's CD uh, that that is made, but you also I had uh, I want a Robin signal, which I just... <laughs> oh right, well he gets it, yeah that's true he does, but not the way that I think he was thinking. Well yeah, I mean what it's so, it's so impossible to tell the difference. Like they're basically the same shape. Yes, I want a Robin signal. Okay? How could you even tell? Uh, yeah, that CD is another thing that's confusing. And again, maybe it's pointless to try to understand it, but. Alfred gives her the CD and says, "Like, don't you dare look at this. I need to try to find my brother in in, in India or whatever, and make sure he gets it, because I guess he wants him to take take his, his place yeah. as as like the helper of Batman." Yeah. But she figures out the password, which is Peg. Three letters. Oh, no, no. It's a little bit further down, but I this infuriated me. Of all the things in the movie, this infuriated <laughs> me. Now, he, granted, he's, he's an old man. He doesn't know how to use it's computers. It's 1997. I understand. It infuriated me. It's a bad password. That he sure. literally... Okay, so uh, how many different ca- alphanumeric characters just for logging into web-based email that I need? <laughs> and I need to change it all the time. And he literally is taking some of the most sensitive information about one of them, somebody he loves that's right. like a son... And one of the most powerful, important people in the world. And it's a secret that everyone wants to know. Who is Batman? It's the kind of thing that... Uh... And it's a three-letter password. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that's that's how passwords get cracked, is they just, you know, pe- people build programs right. that just go like, okay, A. Yes, just a, run through, boom. A, a, just a, run, B, and it just runs through. Exactly. It would take them ten minutes to crack that. <laughs> ten minutes? I don't even know if it would take that. It infuriated me. Of all the things in this movie, of all the nonsense, that... Alfred would have a three-letter, not even, you know, alphanumeric, just three-letter yeah. no, password. No characters, no, no, characters, no numbers. No numbers. Three, for the, for <laughs> the most important secret that everybody in Gotham City wants to know about the most important person yeah. am, among the most wealthiest people in the world, three-letter password of their most crucial secret. It was 1997. People didn't realize, you know. Uh, I do like the sultry voice he put on there because when she's trying to, she gets the password wrong and there's a woman's voice going like, access denied, access denied. And then when she gets it right, he goes, access granted. <laughs> I, yes. It's, it's bizarre. I wonder if uh, Alfred did that himself. <laughs> Just, oh, brother so-and-so got a kick out of that. Uh, Wil- Wilfred will really, yeah, he'll, Wil- he'll get a laugh out of this. Wilfred, for an inside joke or something with Wilfred. Uh, you know, we get a little more like at this point forward, uh, you know, I'll run through the puns at the end, but it's unfortunate because at this point forward, Mr. Freeze just becomes an exposition machine where every time we see him, it's just like, I will use the, the, the ray to freeze the city. I will crush Batman in my hands and freeze his heart. And just all he does from this point in the movie forward is just explain to nobody in particular what he's going to do. Yes. Explain to the audience, but <laughs> right. for no reason why he should be explaining to the you know people sharing the screen with him. It's a bummer because as bad as this movie is, his puns are the one of the few things you know obviously considering our podcast like 
you can take some joy out of that, but you, you don't get a lot of puns. Like this, this whole final sequence at the observatory, it's the worst. It's the one of the worst action sequences I think I've ever seen. Yeah, it it's it's bad. The 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 doctors, including Judge Ping, uh, <laughs> it, are are brought back and put in peril. Well, we did. We, sorry, I just realized we skipped the whole thing at uh, Ivy's hideout because that happens first, right? Where she goes and steals the bat signal, yes. brings it to her hideout, changes it to a Robin signal, and then summons Robin. It's like, why are you? Why are you letting luring them to your secret hideout? Whatever. And then there's a fight sequence there, and Batgirl fights Ivy, and uh, it's, that's not good either. But yeah, I so I, I had that. Somehow Bane lifts the back signal and rips it out, but it still stays lit, which right. I didn't understand. It's got a huge battery in there, apparently. Yeah, ap- apparently so. And yes, yeah, she she lures him in, but I think that's you know she's kind of trying to gain his trust by you know bringing him there and isolating him. Well, this is where we get the speech from Batman of just like because he's gonna he's like it's the Robin signal. Ivy wants to see me, and she loves me, and. He's like, you need to trust me, Robin. And so you, you think he's gone alone, but then you realize, oh, Batman came with him. And he goes like, you're not the only one who can spring a trap. And then he gets caught in vines, and Robin gets caught in vines, and they're, if not for Batgirl, they would have been... They, Batman is so arrogant, he's just like, I sprung a trap on you. And then, no, you didn't. You just walked into her trap the same as Robin. Right. Like, he literally just gets trapped. It's so ridiculous. We're supposed, to, we're supposed to be going like, yeah, Batman and Robin are doing it together. But they failed together. Yeah, and so then you get to... It, it, this happens so often in movies, and it's kind of frustrating. And it certainly has, I think, changed a little bit, especially with you know Marvel and, and Black Widow. But they they effectively have two female leads, and yes, we have to have them fighting one another, despite the fact you've established that Poison Ivy is a lover, not a fighter. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I guess the idea is... She has this power over men, and so the only one who could defeat her is, is another woman or whatever, but... I mean that 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 fight. I I don't know if it's Alicia Silverstone or if they have a stuntman or stuntwoman doing yeah, that they, fight. But either way, like it's more of that hiya stuff of just it's slow and it's not good. None of the action sequences. You know, I, my memory of Batman for forever is that it, at least the action sequences were kind of exciting. Like it's not exciting. It's not interesting. It's every action sequence is just dead in the water. Anyway, so. Uh, yeah, she defeats Poison Ivy. She does. And this is kind of what, what we were talking earlier about uh, Uma Thurman kind of, you know, hamming it up in a fun way. When she's defeated and she, Batgirl knocks her, knocks Poison Ivy into like a pro, giant piranha plant. And she goes, and Poison Ivy goes, curses. And that's her last line of the movie. She goes, curses. And she's like devoured by a plant. Yes. Uh, which again, why is she devoured by a plant? She controls plants. Yes, the plants. I, I, she's the mother of plants. Why would it devour her? But anyway, I, you had to wrap up Poison Ivy and Uma Thurman in some way, and that's that's how she goes. Beyond stupid, but yeah. And then then there's this whole sequence of the observatory. Uh, he's freezing the city. There's a fight. Like it's 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 just. <laughs> I I have I have reached and I, I feel like you're at the same point as I am where I've just reached my tolerance of even being able to talk about this movie yep it's it's whatever who cares Batman wins the day at the end and then and then uh, Batgirl uh, joins the team yeah what doesn't and, and, so and, and as, as we say. get we, we get a bunch of things that don't don't make sense I've got that somehow the motorcycle is works on ice without any problems oh yeah there's there, there, that is the scene that we mentioned earlier of like the they're, they're all driving their own separate vehicles. yeah they're all driving their own and somehow that works on ice with no problem in the end 
Batman, Robin, and Batgirl save the day, defeat Mr. Freeze. But I guess because Arnold is a likable actor, uh, Mr. Freeze, much like the Riddler, is captured, not not killed, right. as Poison... Well, actually, I'm not even Poison sure... Poison Ivy is also captured, because yes. we see her later. Is... We see her later, She's and that, that's the only other thing I really wanted to highlight. So they're, you know, somehow Batman unilaterally is judge, jury, and executioner, that he unilaterally determines that Mr. Victor Freeze will be allowed to continue his important research at Arkham Asylum. Really, Batman? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure you're authorized to do that. I know you're a vigilante, and you're really not authorized to do any of this. Um, but I, I really think you're exceeding your authority. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that, but you're right. I mean, you know, Batman, he can probably go to the, the Arkham administrators and put in a good word. Like he, He's probably got a lot of pull in those parts. A lot of the people who are Maybe, in there, but there so what it then sets up is how, how when he's in Arkham, you've got this where it looks like you know the kind of final comeuppance for Poison Ivy is that he's going to be his her tormentor. Why is he allowed to have his freeze suit on? It would seem like he's a significant danger inside Arkham Asylum to yeah. everybody, not just Poison Ivy. If he has this. What we think is a bulletproof suit, since none of those bullets seem to do any damage to him. I mean, does that suit do anything other than keep him alive, or does it have like? Because he always has that gun. Because I think maybe as long as he doesn't have the gun, he's not as much of a threat. I, you, he's not as much of a threat, but it still seems like that that's probably not a good idea. It certainly is inconsistent. It's just what happened to the cold beam. Right. The, the, the cold zone. I mean, <laughs> maybe Je- Jesse the body yeah, had to tell me about it. The cold it. zone, yeah. Maybe Jesse von, the, the body was the only one who understood how the cold zone worked. <laughs> without, well, without him operating the cold zone, they just had to power it down. Yeah, our cold zone expert died when Poison Ivy came here. <laughs> now we can't, we can't use the cold zone. we got to let him have the suit, otherwise he'll die. Yeah, and we learn that his wife isn't dead. Huh, what? That's not justified in any way. No, nope. Freeze's wife, I mean. Yeah, it's, it's just, just like we need, to, we need to end on a happy ending on, on all, where it, it's almost like they should all be kind of in a, in a scene from like an 80s TV show where all of a sudden they all start laughing at the end for no apparent reason. <laughs> right, so everything's okay. Everything's okay. We wrapped it up until next week. I did. I, I almost missed a, an instance of Arnold face, though. The, you know my my uh, yes. uh, Arnold face where he's always grimacing is when he finds out because Batman shows the clip of that he apparently recorded of Ivy going like as I told you know Lady Freeze as I pulled her plug this is a one woman show yeah which that by the way it's impossible for him to have taken that video because he was c- tied up in vines <laughs> right uh, Batgirl was fighting Poison Ivy so maybe she might have been able to record it but it would have certainly not been steady right she's fighting her while it's going on and yeah. Robin was off camera. There's no way that that video could have been shot. It's exactly what we talked about a few episodes ago. Of just like it's just a, it's just footage from this movie. It's yes. like it's like Spaceballs the movie when they put it in. The, it's all it is. Uh, but then yeah, that's when when he sees that footage and he goes like, ah, just out of With grief. The Arnold face. So yeah, that's that's our Arnold face for this this movie for sure. Uh, yeah, and that's basically the end. They run at the camera, put the spotlight behind them, and then the music oh, plays. You know what though? I, I I do want to get one more. I I did miss it that I have it in here. Another Arnold. I'm, I'm as we're going through this. I'm realizing I liked more of Arnold's lines than I than I thought when I watched it. Take two of these and call me in the morning. <laughs> I thought was a great one as well. That is pretty which, good. Which uh, the the serum for Alfred to of course end with a happy ending that he he is cured. But take two of these and call me in the morning. Yeah, and Batman calls him Doctor Freeze just to set up that line. He, yes. doesn't, he doesn't get called Doctor Freeze at any other point, but nope. because it's a doctor joke. Yes, got to set that volleyball right up in front of the net. And speaking of that, you know. Freeze has been a villain up until 20 seconds ago. He just had his change of heart 20 seconds ago, and then he gives you two vials and says, yeah, take these. 
And Batman's just going to give them to Alfred? Like, he's a bad guy. You're just going to trust him? I mean... Yeah, in particular, like I said to start, in this movie, you were established... He's an established villain when the movie opens. I mean, he's been terrorizing the city literally all of this movie. And he, yeah, he, he, he was trying to, to destroy humanity, basically, is right. his plan. And he's just... For all Batman knows, that thing is a virus that will cause a you know a huge pandemic that will kill... If his plan is to... to destroy humanity don't just take whatever that guy gives you and inject it into your into your butler yes like, i i mean it seems it's, a little you, irresponsible you 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 don't know uh, you know it could have been like razal ghoul's plan right is that he he was looking to spread fear throughout the city how, how do you know that whatever victor freeze has just given you isn't the beginning of some terrible pandemic as you said some other villain will come out with a microwave and that that yes, <laughs> and that's, mean, uh, but, whatever the, the hell is happening in that movie yes the, the point is is that bruce wayne batman has been a jerk to robin the whole movie and he's been pretty irresponsible most of the movie as well all the way up until this you know this ending i mean it's the kind of thing where he probably figures like well, well why not you know alfred's gonna die and couldn't hurt to try it but <laughs> there are way worse things that could happen from that stuff than just Alfred dying. Right. That, again, a, you don't know the unintended consequences, or maybe the intended consequences for Mister Freeze. Whatever. Alfred's cured. Either way, the, we've now got the uh, the monkeys off our back. We've we've made it through. Yeah, it's, I'm I'm glad it's behind us. But oh my god, it was really it was that was an ordeal. So the the thing you have some some puns and body counts to wrap up. I I, I do have two things that I'd like to wrap up as well. But why don't we get the the puns and the the body count? All right, we'll do. But before I forget, I just want to point out uh, our Sven sighting. Ooh, did I, I miss Sven in this one. I don't know who he is because but I, I spotted him in the credits. So we're four for four on Sven because he's also in Last Action Heroes before we even started keeping track. But we'll keep, we'll keep keeping an eye out for Sven. Fantastic. He, he was credited as a stuntman in this movie. All right. Uh, okay, so we've got seven. Our, our, our body count is seven because we forgot one. Uh, and he's, he's unseen, so maybe I, we shouldn't count this, but... Uh, we learn that Poison Ivy killed a guy to steal his limousine, the limousine that oh, Bane is driving. Bane is bombing around him with that awesome Humphrey Bogart outfit. Yeah, so he, he, un, off camera, she, she killed a guy to no, steal that, that counts. Camera. I mean, if they've acknowledged it, that's in the body count. Yeah, I think so too. So that's that's our seven. So I, we were at six last time we checked, so that's the, in case you're wondering what that extra one is. Pun count, I want you to guess. Ooh. Uh, pun count. Is there, and this is just for Arnold? No, this counted? is the whole movie. Ooh, the whole movie. You can guess both if you want. I'm, just, uh, I'm curious to see. I'm going to guess... 30 puns for the whole movie. That's very close. 33. Wow. That's like a pun every four minutes. That's yeah. a ton of puns. That is a ton. I, how, what's the breakdown? Do, do you have it for Arnold? So so Arnold has 12. Uh, Uma Thurman, I have 11 and a half because she kind of has one that's shared. I'd, there's no point in going through all these one by one, right? Let's just, no, not, yeah. let's just skip it. Uh, Uma Thurman has 11 and a half because the one that she shares with Robin where Robin says... I need to know... Well, first of all, he says, I need to know you've turned over a new leaf, which is a separate pun. And then he says, just give me a sign. And she goes, how about slippery when wet? <laughs> Ouch. I forgot about that one. Actually, which this, is pretty racy. Cause yeah. I mean, <laughs> this movie is full of that. Uh, but they kind of share... He sets her up, so I split it. I, she's yeah, got that's probably fair. Then I, you know, I, I do remember, and I didn't put a note in it. it, it of all of them, the, the double entendre between Arnold and Uma... He's kind of pushing it. That's that. That's about as far for whatever. I don't know if this was PG thirteen. Yeah, it's PG thirteen. PG thirteen in nineteen ninety seven. That that was that was pushing it. That's borderline. Yeah, like, that's really that's a really racy joke. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, since since he sets her up, I, I, I she's at eleven. She, she almost beat out Arnold, which is also surprising. She's got eleven and a half puns, and then 
Chris O'Donnell's next four and a half. And then Clooney's got three. Uh, one by Misbehaven. Uh, I forget what that is. She's, she's, Misbehaven. I could find that. And then one by the guy who's not Jesse Ventura. Uh, the other guard. The other the, the guy with the eye patch. So 33 total. Wow. That's so many. I mean, I, there's no question. That I, don't, I can't imagine any other movie topping this. Like we've, we've got our champion for this podcast as far as uh, puns I, concerned. I think both of us would be shocked if there's any other one that even comes close. I can't. It's not even possible. I mean, if you think about the, you think about, uh, the Running Man being a very pun-heavy movie, and that had seven. Yeah. And this had 33 puns. But, okay, so here's my question. I kind of want to... I want a prediction... I almost feel like I, well, you know, because you're, you're, we both enjoy a gamble here and there. Absolutely. I want to, I want to know which side you'd fall on this. Do you think we will, after this, if there will be any other movies that we cover on this podcast, where there will be more puns than deaths? Ooh, the, the over more puns than deaths. Because if there's 33 puns, there's this body count of seven. So there's, this is, I think, one of the few. But will this ever happen again? Where there will we cover another movie on this Arnold Schwarzenegger podcast where there will be more puns than there are dead bodies? I don't think so. The one that I can think of that has a, uh, that I think will have a lot of puns has an outrageous body count, and that's Commando. I think does have a lot of puns. Oh, there's no way that'll throw. But as the, many the body puns. count, you're you're gonna, it's gonna take you a long time to, to to accurately tally that body count. I think it's in the triple figures. So no, I don't think we're gonna have another one that has more puns than bodies. See, I'm I I would tend to go the other direction, or I wonder if maybe Kindergarten Cop or something we haven't. That we're not familiar with. It's you know one of his newer ones or whatever. I think we should make a friendly wager. That's, that's gonna, probably fair. I'd be willing to do that. We won't know until this podcast is over. Because yeah. but uh, it's just, you know it'll be a while before we have a resolution. But uh, I'd be willing to make a friendly wager. And on you that. know I, 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 we can we can set some kind of stakes off uh, the air if need be or whatever. But just you know a gentleman's a gentleman's wager. Yeah, and we'll see who maybe who, we'll, we'll either set it off air or on the next next episode. I'm I'm willing to take the opposite side of that bet. I'm glad you came down on that side of things because yeah. uh, I'm I'm coming down on the side of it may happen again. We will see. Uh, you want some statistics as far as like yeah his the percentage ratio? Yes, that would be very interesting. Arnold had by my count, and granted, I was really struggling through this, so I may I've missed I may have missed some. Take my numbers with a grain of salt, but by, by my count, Arnold had 91 total lines of dialogue, 12 puns. Wow. So that's 13 percent. 13 percent of his lines of dialogue were puns. And, but beyond that, 38 out of his 91 lines had some kind of cold or temperature related elements to it. So, and that's 42%. That is crazy. And consider all the time he spends going like, like setting up exposition and, and right. also talking about his wife, which doesn't, not all of those have cold stuff. You know, it's, it's a lot. It's in all in terms says. of dialogue that isn't literally him explaining the plot. It's almost all of what he has to say. Yeah, basically. That's that's. Just, I mean, it's not surprising, but it still is. It's almost impressive. I was going to say, in some ways, it's impressive <laughs> to to just boil it down and just get it down to let's be as campy and just as many puns as we can. I wish it was more fun because you all his it lines feels like it should be, doesn't it? Yeah, it's just really not. <laughs> it's not. This movie is just unwatchable. Uh, despite all the things that should make it fun for us in particular of all his puns, like th- a, a movie with 33 puns considering our podcast, we should be loving this, but yes. it's, it's, it's just a vacuum of entertainment. This movie. So, so uh, it, it's funny to say that, that, you know, this, this movie is, is bad and it should be fun. I think it was an epidemic of the year. Cause one of the things I wanted to look up 
is, all right, let's see, because I, I mentioned the Razzies, and it was nominated for a ton, and Alicia Silverstone was the only one to win one. Yeah. Here's the thing. 1997, when I pulled up what, what was major releases, because uh, what I could find out on Wikipedia just had what were kind of the major studio releases to, for each week. Because there were certain movies I knew had opened, like Boogie Nights, but it wouldn't necessarily have been a wide-release movie that you're going to track the box office, which and that's a 1997 movie I'll go on record that is one, among my favorites. So there certainly were some in 90 to 7. Yeah, that's a Miramax movie, right? That's an independent film. Yes. Right? So that's what I'm saying. So we're talking about kind of major studio releases they have going sure. back many years. So I pulled <laughs> up 1997 to have... I'm thinking back, trying to think of what I would have seen in 97. I'm already thinking of some real clunkers, but go ahead. There are, there are a lot. So I, I think it was... Maybe it was something in the air. Now, there are some movies, as I said, in 97 that I saw on the list, like Donnie Brasco, that are movies that I still like today. But man, oh man, in the month of June alone, which is when, that's when I first looked, I want to see in June, when Batman and Robin opened what would have been its competition, kind of plus or minus, sort of like we had with Jurassic Park and its impact on Last Action Hero. Right. You've got two bad Nicolas Cage movies in the same month. You have Con Air and Face Off. Now, I'll tell you, I like Face Off of Nicolas Cage movies, but it's not a great action movie and not a great movie. And Con Air is just terrible. Well, yes, but like you and I like bad movies. Like compared to Batman and Robin, I'll watch either one of those movies a hundred oh, times before I ever watch this again. That's true, but my point is is that there there there's a lot more coming here. Both so, those movies came out in the same month? In the same month. Wow. And what's great is June sixth, Con Air. June thirteenth. Speed 2, Cruise Control. Oh, my goodness. June 20th, Batman and Robin. Uh, and then June 27th was Face Off. And ironic and interestingly enough, Walt Disney had a release, and it's one of its least successful movies. Hercules actually came out, and it is not one of its most successful animated films. I don't even remember that. Ex- exactly. So, so the month of June was not a good month. So I decided, you know what? I want to look kind of <laughs> around it. Expand your search. Ex- exactly. Expand the search. So I went a little bit before, because in July there actually there, there were some, some okay movies, so I wanted to go back and see the earlier summer. April. Oh, this is fantastic. You have the same first week of April, The Saint, which is the reason, the movie which is not good and the reason Val Kilmer could not do Batman and Robin. Okay. You had Double Team with Dennis Rodman and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Wow, yes. Yeah, so, uh, and the next, next week... Anaconda with John Voight and a host of others. I haven't seen any of those movies. Gen- so. Jennifer Lopez, Ice Cube, not a good movie. Comedies were also not good, although there is, there is one in April that I did like, Gross Point Blank, but you have two bad ones opening April 18th, Eight, Huds, eight Heads in a Duffel Bag, and McHale's Navy. Wow. The same day in the action genre, you got another Wesley Snipes picture, Murder at 1600. Not a good one. <laughs> Uh, and then in May, I pulled up. May got a, a little bit better, but uh, you, you you did have a bad one just before May. Actually, a- April was really bad. You also had Volcano with Tommy Lee Jones. I mean, there are just some really, really bad movies. Oh, the, the movie that solved racism, you mean? Uh, yes. If, if you recall at the yes. end of that movie. Uh, I, I will recall. And so... And there, don't get me wrong, there were, there were some other... In, in, the, in the comedies, you had... Um, 
Austin Powers, which, you know, at least the first one, I still think has some that, redemption. Yeah, that's a good movie. It just got, you know, I think I think now we're past the point where Austin Powers is so, like, overplayed. Overplayed like, that it's actually, you can tolerate it again. Yeah, for sure. And, and actually that same breakdown, which I think is a, a, a smaller kind of underrated movie with Kurt Russell and, and J.T. Walsh came out in, in, in early May as well. So, I mean, they, well, and actually another, the Lost World Jurassic Park came out as well, which was, was a terrible that, sequel. That was one of the movies that popped in my head of just like, what movies did I see in 97? And also, didn't the second Mortal Kombat movie come out that year? It may have, but it might not have been around when I, the, the target I was looking for was June and just around June, so. Yeah, I definitely seem to recall that coming out that year. And also, uh, uh, I have distinct memory of seeing uh, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies Oh yes, yeah, so, ninety-seven. Well, which is not a great Bond movie. And uh, well, it's funny is I I don't have it here on the list, but I went back. There, there are two bad Bond actor, not Bond movies, but Bond actor movies earlier in the year in like February. Dante's Peak with Pierce Brosnan. Oh, yes, and just after that, I just happened to see it with Timothy Dalton. The Beautician and the Beast with Fran Drescher. I'm like, oh <laughs> man, it's just it. so. I, the the wow. point was, and I, I, you know, we probably spent three or four minutes on this. The point was is that That's Batman and idea. Robin was not an isolated incident. Something was going on in in the the approvals in '95 and '96 when these movies were getting greenlighted because it was just it was a bad year. That's noteworthy. Like that's definitely like just listing all the that stuff. I do I do think the Big Lebowski came out that year. Like there were I think the, I, there were definitely some exceptions for sure, but. I mean, I, there, there may have been something that may tie back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of this podcast of, like, movie studios not knowing what the hell they're doing anymore, you know? They kind of lost their way for a while, and, you know, maybe it's just a coincidence, but... It could be. I, you know, the reason, and one of the other reasons I looked it up is because I, I, I was recalling 93 and 94, you know, when the, the best picture category then was only five, five nominees. Yeah. And, you know, today it's been significantly expanded. But in 94... You had oh, Forrest a, Gump, you had Pulp Fiction, Ed Wood, Shawshank Redemption. The point is, is it's not that far removed. Right, and then 99 is another one of those. Those are two notable years people always talk about as like great years for movies. Right, and, and so what's funny is just sandwiched in the middle of this, I happen to look at my like, man alive, is that just a bad run of just not good movies? Was that the year of Titanic? I'm trying to think of what one yes, was so, I guess and, Titan- and it must have been Titanic. I, yeah, Titanic you know, was obviously, in terms of the box office, a huge movie, won a ton of Oscars, and it was 97. Yeah. I don't think it's a great movie although you know i do like kate winslet there are some things about it that i like and it was impressive in terms of to, to make that movie and it's not really cgi yeah. a lot of it. it it's really it's an impressive movie the spectacle of it is the spectacle movie. of it certainly is so again there are movies boogie nights there are things of 97 donnie brasco that i liked but that is a sam- that summer. Wow, I mean, there is just a lot of bad stuff to talk about. Yeah, we're talking about the tentpole like yes movies. Yeah, and That's, so that is really amazing. Yeah, listening to that list, and, 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 and so you know, I may do this for others, but this in particular because this movie was so bad, I wanted to see was it like Last Action Hero where there was just a lot of good stuff sandwiched around? No, this was a bad movie, but it had a lot of company because there was a lot of bad stuff coming out. It's funny to think about that now, thinking back, because it's just like I wonder if. We were aware of how terrible movies were that year. I don't think so. I think no. Just like, oh, I, I, I mean, I distinctly remember that you know year. It was ninety seven. Is year we graduated high school. Yeah. I don't remember it being being that bad. And I don't think it's me just looking back. I, I think even then, it it just was bad. And maybe I wasn't going to the movies as much because a lot of those on those lists I didn't see because I probably I realized no, these do not look good. Well, in some of those movies, you know, eighteen year old 
us would have been way into like face off just like that movie's awesome and yes. then you look back like no that movie is not awesome no turns out that like, why did we ever like that movie it's really terrible but it's it's at least something that you can go back to and have some fun with yep and so the only other thing that you know i kind of wanted to cover is that the takeaway i had from this the, the biggest one is is that the positive they burn this franchise to the ground so badly yeah and it, it, to, to the point, you know, whether or not it's true that George Clooney said during the final scene when they cut, I think we just killed the franchise. What came of it was is that not that long of a period. I thought it was longer, too, until I realized 2005 really wasn't that far removed. Yeah. They rebooted it. And from the product that came from that, I think, is some of the reason why Marvel's had its success. That The, the Nolan Batman, in particular, Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. I think really changed how Hollywood has been managing yeah. pole and franchises. And so true. maybe the silver lining is, is that this was so bad that they had Warner brothers had to go back and say, you know what? Wait a minute. We need to get talented people to work on this. We need a talented actor who Christian Bale certainly is. And we need to give that a talented director who had done Memento in a lot of movies that, that I, I really enjoyed. And some of the reason why I was so attracted and interested, I was really interested in Batman Begins because I was blown away by the casting because I thought Christian Bale was a fantastic choice to be able to do Bruce Wayne from his from American Psycho, which I really, really enjoy. Yeah, And I was a really big Nolan fan. And I know Nolan somewhat has now, over time, become a little bit almost too much, and, and the fans of him are almost too much. But... My takeaway is that this was so bad, it gave us something fantastic. Because it's not just the Batman movies. I think it's Marvel and a lot of the other stuff that's been coming out since, since Batman Begins. Yeah, you had, to, you had to chase out the old tenants so you could knock the building down and build the beautiful the, new size, the, skyscraper. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and when you think about it, it's been a decade. I mean, Batman Begins came out in 2005. It's been a decade that they have really managed tentpole superhero movie and not just because they they wound up rebooting you know casino royale with bond it's it's probably my favorite bond movie i mean it it really changed a lot of what hollywood has been doing with franchises that had either been dormant or had been ruined in the you know in the 2000s yeah i think you're right i think just treating them with care you were talking about the casting for batman begins like i agree christian bale you know i was a big fan of his as, as well because of american psycho but to me it was you know um Morgan Freeman and, uh, you know, Michael Caine. The idea of having Michael Caine as Alfred, to me, was so bizarre because, you know, all we had prior to that were these movies right, where Alfred was a nothing character. And it's like, inconsequential. And you, you, you look at that, and I remember thinking this, of just why would Michael Caine ever want to play Alfred? He's just a guy who stands around and says, yes, sir, I'll retrieve, you know, I'll cancel the pizza. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Thank you for bringing that. I'll cancel the pizza. <laughs> so... It was such a bizarre idea that he would want to play Alfred, but then you see the movie and go like, "Oh, wow. especially Dark Knight, where he has that speech about the 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 the, the, oh, gem, the, the tangerine, gem, yeah, the I'm, size of a tangerine." Yes, it's one of it's one of our favorites. If you couldn't couldn't tell, I mean, that's a funny that's a the, the, that whole size of a tangerine thing kind of became a, a, a internet joke, but it's also a great scene where he's oh. talking about this history. He's like, "Wow, Alfred had this amazing right." He, he was out, you know, he was like a mercenary. I right. mean, in in Burma. I mean, you're right. They gave Alfred so much more, but. As we said in this podcast, in those early, in Batman Begins, you establish like how important Alfred, and it makes logical sense, right? How important he really would be to the story is that he's been Bruce's caretaker 
for for all of these years yeah, when it, Bruce has clearly struggled with the loss of his parents. And it, it's it's taking these franchises seriously and putting the resources into them that they deserve. That's the real change. I think you're right. And bringing it back to Arnold, I think it's kind of a shame because he missed out on this whole transformation of the movie business because he was governor at the time when all this was happening. Like you look at the Terminator franchise, like now he's back and he's part of Terminator again, but he's so old, like he probably can't. He can maybe can do one more Terminator. I don't know, but. You know, you look at like Terminator Three, and you go like, you know, I mean, whatever. It's not terrible, but it, it's a, one of those things where I don't think they were taking a lot of care with this franchise. They're no. just like, whatever. Just, just we'll just make another one, and just you know, it doesn't, it's not important what the content is, and just you know, churn it out because it was there wasn't a lot of care taken to it because it wasn't James Cameron, et cetera. And it's like Arnold's career didn't. It's it's almost a shame that Arnold became such a big star when he did because. These movies, you know, you look at True Lies, if that was made, you know, today or even in 2005, there was no, no question there would be a, a oh. more True Lies movies and it would have become a big franchise and he would have you know, benefited, benefited from that. Benefited from the care that probably would have been taken. Again, it probably wouldn't have been as, it would have been different because it wouldn't have been the gritty kind of Casino Royale reboot of Bond the way that they've, they've gone in that direction. But yeah, they would have taken considerable care to do it, two or three of those really, really well. Yeah. And that he did not have the benefit of that. Yeah, and that's what James Cameron is doing now with Avatar, just be doing the same thing, just like, we're going to make this... I mean, he's taking forever, but uh, making it into a big franchise, like, if only he had a chance to do that with The Terminator or with True Lies or whatever, and Arnold being along for the ride. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll have to we'll continue this conversation maybe when we get to True Lies or something like that, but it's just... it's just This movie really just brings that all into contrast, just... What a mess. What a mess Hollywood was with this stuff. Um, so anyway, but that's that's Batman and Robin. We've we've done our due diligence. We said we would. We said we'd watch every one of these movies, and by God, we're going to do it. We took the tough medicine on this one. So that leads to the question of... Next movie. What's next? So... It's not my turn, so this will be a surprise. It's on... It's... it's uh, we talked about the, our Netflix curse on the air, right? That wasn't before the show? That's correct. Okay, so this is on Netflix now, and hopefully it will be on there for quite a while. I have already watched it, and the reason why I've already watched it, this is a movie that I had not seen before, and I imagine you've never seen. I watched it because I had to get away from Batman and Robin. I watched half of it, and I went like, I need to watch something different. I need to cleanse my palate. And uh, I said, oh, this is on Netflix. 2014's Sabotage. Oh, from our, our post-governor wow, category. The, the post-governor. That's, uh, that's a, I'm glad it's that category, and I have not seen Sabotage. So this will be... I'll probably need to watch it more than once. Well, let me ask you this. What do you know about Sabotage? Uh, is that, is, that's the combination of him and... or is that, No, that's Escape Plan. That's Escape Plan, where it's him and... Him and Stallone escaping. Stallone, a, yeah. yeah, that's, that's Sue not, Sabotage. I don't know if I remember this one. So it, it's, it, I didn't even know this movie existed until we started doing this podcast. I went, I went to Wikipedia and said, okay, what are the movies we need to watch? Came out in 2014, did no business, and disappeared from, from theaters immediately. And it was one of those things where it became a story of just like, oh boy, Arnold's not a draw anymore. But it's like, you and I didn't even know this movie existed. If they'd marketed it properly, I, I would have gone to see it. I'm not going to say anything about this movie. I'm very curious to see what you think because okay. I've already seen it. I don't want to. I don't want to pre I don't sabotage. Wanna, yeah, you I don't, don't want to sabotage, it, right? <laughs> exactly. No yeah. pun intended. Uh, so that's that's the show for this time. Tune in next time when we uh, discuss sabotage. The the only thing I'd add is so I, I've established what the fourth rule to a crisis situation is. Now that we have the final movie uh, to to wrap up each podcast, I'm going to do my best to give you each of the rules of the crisis situation. So. The fifth rule to a crisis situation is you need to burn things down to the ground so that you can start new again.
<laughs> that's I don't know if that's a good way to d- diffuse a crisis, but sure. Well, I'm not sure that the ones <laughs> that uh, uh, Julius had in terms of de-escalating a crisis situation of calling bluffs. So I'm completely fine with my rules that I'm adding to the crisis situation. Because now, now that I know you're going to be doing this, you're, ad- you're going to be adding a rule to every movie we watch. Now that I think about what sabotage is, I can't wait to see what you come up with. All right, fantastic. <laughs> so that's the fifth rule is you have to burn things down to the ground so you can start again. Yeah, so uh, we'll tune in next time. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Bad Puns Podcast. Uh, write us emails at uh, questions at bpamg.com. Tune in next time when we discuss sabotage. We'll see you then. Thanks. Thanks.